Back up. Perez. Wilton makes a run ahead of it. Bergkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Bergkamp. That's magnificent. The move. And then this. Which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello and welcome. We are a Bergkamp Wonderland. I am your new host for season 22-23. Yes, you've got it right, listeners. We're we're remixing it down with the kids. Is that what they do? I don't know. Let's not do that ever again. But we're going back to the old days where I will be hosting almost every show this season. So if you don't like me, I apologise, you're in for a rough ride. But on the plus side, I have got four fabulous gentlemen with me this evening who are going to be accompanying me on this, which is our season preview. That's my computer. Didn't expect that to happen. See, it's live. You can't, you can't, you know, can't help these things. Right. Let's waste no time and introduce the wonderful people that I have in front of me. We're going to go this way downwards. So he is the man who literally can make London stop like that don't mess with him people he's very powerful it's carl how you doing carl uh i'm good christopher how are you i'm i'm sexy i'm sexy mate i'm all good no one ever but you know um true facts facts now i'm 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 cautiously optimistic and a little excited is that is that to be honest aren't we every season has there ever been a season where you haven't been you had to you had to lower the mood. I'm, didn't just, you? I'm, I'm just putting a little bit of a what's the word realism into it. Realism. Okay. Well, uh, let's try and take it up a notch. Uh, this man will always bring some happiness, I'm sure. Uh, he's the lady's favourite, Mr. John Welsh. How you doing, John? Uh, I'm very good. Um, I'm absolutely buzzing for this season. This is the most excited I've been for a season for. I don't know, probably since we got Alexis and Ozil, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before that was probably like the Fabregas sort of era. Um, yeah, we, I, I found Jesus. Jesus made me trim my beard. I found him. I brought him to Arsenal and nothing can go wrong. It's very exciting. So I'm, I'm well excited for this season. So the truth is you're just excited that Pablo Mari is still at the club, right? I mean, that's the long yeah, short. Yeah. <laughs> him, him and his, his wonderful tan and fantastic hair and thighs. Yes, we're all delighted. Good stuff. Uh, right, down to the bottom. Next up, it is uh, it's a man with velvet tones. That's how I'm going to describe you this season. It's uh, it's Mr Femi. How you doing, sir? How you doing all? Good, good, good. Nice little lineup we got here. Absolutely. Do you want me to counter your 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 little optimism, John? I've got optimism as well, but I had a dream um, that what last night, the night before last, that um, we were playing Palace on Friday and Ben White got absolutely ripped apart, taken off at halftime for Tomiyasu, who handballed the ball on the line, got a red card, they got a penalty. But it gets better because then, for some reason, the Chelsea women's manager came on the pitch and she took the penalty and... Ramsdale saved it. So make of that what you will. <laughs> well, um, Femi, it's been lovely having you on the show. Uh, the men in the white coats will be with you shortly. Uh, look after yourself and we'll see you at the end of the season. Um, I mean, you know, 
<laughs> Stranger things have happened, right? And we, we, we've just lived through a pandemic. So who knows? Like, who knows? I, for one, would hope that that doesn't happen tomorrow, uh, whenever it is Friday night. I hope it's just nice and straightforward 7 <laughs> nil demolition. But who knows? Who knows? Um, I mean, Josh, I, I would introduce you at this point, but I don't really know how I can follow that. So I'm just going to say, um, hi, how are you? It's been a while. And uh, I mean, let's address the shirt you're wearing there. I suppose we should give a little nod and a wink to to a, a, an English, a, a European Championship winning side. It, it's not a bad shirt, to be fair. It's just I had to get something in England there, didn't I? So it's, are you living off the victory? Uh, at least for the next uh, 12 hours or so, maybe until Arsenal take over. Um, but yeah, uh, I see you've got the man who lives in Brighton taking up the rear. I find that very homophobic. Um, but <laughs> otherwise, I think uh, we've got to start the season on uh, some kind of controversy. And thank you very much, Chris, uh, for that one. But yeah, um, great shout out to the, the final on Sunday as well. It's hell of a game yes. as well. I'm, I'm not going to be a fraud and, and say I watched it because I'm going to be completely transparent here. I did not watch a minute of the tournament. I'm sorry. I didn't. Even the France games, I just didn't. Um, nothing personal against the ladies. Fantastic. I've just been really busy and I just, I kind of wanted to just shut off from football for a bit. And I've kind of enjoyed it, which is why I, think I would say I only watched the final because I'm a big old glory hunter and I'm not no, afraid not. to say it. Yeah. And you chose to support Arsenal. Good Lord, what were you thinking? Anyway, right. It was the 90s, we were good. <laughs> yeah, true that. True that. Uh, right. Um, as I addressed off the start of the, or as I addressed off the, off the bat, if you will, at the start of the show, um, a couple of changes this season. We are, as I said previously, we're going back to kind of the old format. Uh, the, the plan is, and I say plan loosely because things can change, but the plan is that I will be hosting. Uh, all of the podcasts moving forwards this season with Danny at my right hand, which is a horrible image. And then uh, a group of the five gentlemen in front of me will be making up the panel. Some weeks there'll be three of us. Some weeks there might be four of us. Hell, some week there might be like two of us. It might just be me talking to myself one week. Who knows? But the plan is to keep you uh, keep you chat. And I see you. I see you all. Uh, the plan is to keep you you guys entertained and uh, hopefully we'll have a, a jolly good season. We've got loads of games to play, which we'll get to in a second. And uh, yeah, we're hopefully just going to bring back some good time vibes. Um, we're not going to be shilling merchandise or running ads or any of that good stuff. We're just going to bring you some wholesome content. Um, if you don't already, please do follow us on the YouTubes. Uh, click the bell and flick the algorithm and rub the clit and all that stuff. Uh, also, we're on Twitch. So if you don't already know, Twitch is a wonderful thing where you can watch people stream and you can interact and play with emojis and all sorts of stuff that only John really understands. But do that as well. And, of course, the Twitter feed if you want to follow us for when we go live. Right. That's the housekeeping out the way. Let's talk about some Arsenal. Um, so we are going to do a season preview today. We're not going to obviously go through all the games and all that jazz. We're probably going to look ahead to the Palace game a little bit. But I want to talk to you guys about preseason, first of all. And we'll kind of group the games into the transfers because we'd be here all night so um john i'm going to pick on you first seeing as you've been the most optimistic of the bunch um talk to me about talk to me about how you felt about pre-season we went to america we got some lovely new shirts one of which you're wearing and and we've made some of these things called transfers which is is quite novel at this time of the year we're usually scrabbling around in the last minute but we've got our business in early would it be fair to say that you've been quite impressed with what you've seen on the pitch and indeed off the pitch from us this summer? Yeah, I think just in terms of the transfers, like 
Jesus was a target for a long time. I think that's why we didn't see anyone in January last season. Um, they got that. I know it took longer than people wanted, but it was done. Um, it was just final details and things to be worked out. Uh, Zinchenko signing is really exciting for me. Like really versatile, left back, can play centre mid. Knows the system and the style of playing. Knows Arteta as well. Um, I just think all the transfers we brought in, obviously Marquinhos and people like that, they're ones for the future. We don't really know about yet. But do you think in terms of what they've done with the squad and improved the quality in areas um, has been really good. And it showed in pre-season. Um, Saliba is obviously not a new player, but he does feel like a new signing because he hasn't really worn an Arsenal shirt. Um, Chris obviously knows how good he is, but I don't watch a ton of French football, but everyone said he was great. And from what I've seen in pre-season, he looks like an absolute monster. He's coming straight away, very professional. Um, looks really calm on the ball, looks already to have a good understanding of Gabriel. Um, it gives us more options in the fullback as well. Ben White can play there now because Tommy Asi is struggling with injuries. And to be honest, I think if we get the players out that we want to see leave, then it's probably the best transfer window I can remember for, I don't know, like early Wenger days really. And to be fair, most of the signings Wenger made in his early days, not a lot of the players you knew that much about. Um, unless you were, I don't know, somehow could like hack the code on CFAX and read the script behind the <laughs> behind it or something. Because um, you didn't really get to see that much foreign football. So yeah, it, it's been really good. And the preseason has been great. I loved all the promotional stuff they've done. The fans in America look like they had a great time as well. Um, obviously, Mike and all the guys from the Gurus Pod and stuff were there as well. So they put loads of great videos up. Um, love the kit can't go wrong with it I, I had not bought a shirt in a long time but the moment this came out actually there was a message in our group and I think within 10 minutes I'd ordered it and it was yeah, on my on its way to me uh, I couldn't resist so yeah just everything about the club at the moment it just feels really good so I think the only thing that could top it off is if we bought in another forward which mm. probably depends on people going out but even if we don't I still feel pretty relaxed about going into the season we definitely will come on to um, we definitely will come on to the uh, the forward situation. Um, we'll, we'll address that in in a second. Um, Josh, I want to ask you a little bit about the. Um, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'm going to tickle you tickle you here because I, I know you like certain things when in this this department off the pitch, um, and in particular Edu and uh, probably Edu and Mikel together. Would it be fair to say that? what they've done over this summer has kind of reinstalled a little bit of belief amongst the fan base that somebody at the club knows what the fuck they're doing. And what I mean by that is we, obviously we had the Ralph Sanyehi situation. There was some alleged brand envelopes going around. There was players coming out. Did you know, I just found out this afternoon, Pepe is still the most expensive African player ever. Isn't that nuts? Um, but it, would it be fair to say that they have definitely gone to the sort of next level this summer and uh, Edu and in particular with working alongside Ed, working alongside Mikel sorry have gone about their business they've got it done early they've got the targets they've secured them and and they're doing a good job is, is that filled you with a bit of optimism yeah I think I was optimistic last summer as well when we saw that incredible move um especially on um yeah towards the end of that kind of window where we started to bring in a lot of players and I think we were all quite a bit you know, weren't sure about the profile of those players that were coming in. Everybody had their doubts about more or less every player that came through the door. But last season showed 
especially that they're picking the right profile. We may not think they're the best player on paper, but you know what? Once they get into the system, they're perfect. And I think the only brown envelopes that Edu's sending around now is just brisket. That's all he's doing now. He's just covering that up in the brown paper and sending that off to everybody, just making them all at home. Um, yeah, I've, I'm loving what we've done this summer. There is, of course, the, um, what, eight, nine, maybe 10 elephants in the room or in the dressing room that we still need to shift out. Uh, it's it's great bringing players in, but there's always going to be that question of can we recoup at least something for um, our dead wood that really previously has been let go for free uh, just to save wages. But we really do have sellable assets this summer. I think there's just news now of Lucas Torreira ending up at Galatasaray actually getting some money for him. There's going to still be Hector Bearing and do betters have money or don't they have money and who's going to pay off his contract. Uh, yeah, we've still got players like Runnison. We've got Ainsley Maitland-Niles. We've also got Reese Nelson. Now, is he going to come in for another season? Uh, he did quite well at Feyenoord last season. I think that's one that's potentially gone under the radar that maybe he's reset. But again, if we were signing a winger from the Eredivisie, say, um, who's the lad at PSV? Uh, was it Gakpo? Gak- Cody Gakpo, yeah, the winger. That's yeah. the one. I'd be pretty, um, yeah, I'd be quietly um, questioning whether or not you should be getting a winger from the Eredivisie and hanging your entire hat on it. Maybe I've been burnt by all of the wingers that have come directly from there. Um not necessary to Arsenal, but I can certainly say as someone who's seen Brighton every week, there's been many, many flops out of the Eredivisie um, who look to have done quite well, just can't quite make that step up. So I think there's a lot of work still to be done. And of course, I'm still expecting or hoping for another kind of wide forward to supplement what we're doing, because I still don't think there's necessarily enough goals um, yeah, in this team. Yeah, you you want more wide forward than than Jan Venegor of Hesslink or Alfonso Alves <laughs> or Mattia Kesman or any of the others that came out of the yeah. Dutch league in <laughs> recent times. But uh, yeah, we shall see on that one. Um, Fem, I'm going to give you some low hanging fruit here, but it's nice low hanging fruit. Um, how good is Gabriel Jesus? I mean, I I was on, I wasn't on the fence about his ability. I always thought he was good. My only concern was, are we going to turn? Are we going to basically turn into Manchester City's rejects and just sign everybody like we used to take all Chelsea's old players that just weren't very good? The thing with Jesus, I guess, is that he never really had the the chance at City to be the out-and-out number nine. He's behind Aguero. Then Pep decided he was a really good left-back or whatever it is Pep does every week. Um, and he was shunted in and out of positions. Would it be fair to say, pre-season aside, we can't get too excited, but just having that movement that speed of thought that ability to to just light up the forward line it is just so refreshing isn't it to watch a proper center forward come in and dare i say there's there's ian wright qualities there isn't there yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie and, and pretend that i've seen a whole lot of um of him apart from on the right side um i've never watched obviously him as a youngster playing up front in brazil so we you've only got the <clears throat> the Man City um, bite size to go by, and the trend that he was on was kind of a downward trend, wasn't he? He wasn't exactly going upwards um, at Man City. So, I mean, when we're first linked with him in around March time, 
there was sort of outrage, you know, in the fan base. <laughs> Not that the fan base should be <laughs> what we should go by, but it was sort of like, oh, well, he's only scored like two more goals than Alexander Lacazette. And I remember that same weekend, he, he scored, was it four goals or five goals, was it? Against yeah, someone? end of the season, yeah. Yeah, and then he banged in quite a few goals and he, he got quite a few more chances then and he thought, okay, he's, he, he does look quite decent. But it clearly they identified him and they said, this is our number one striker and they went for it and they got it done. And I think that's one of the key differences between this summer and any other summer. They got everything they wanted mainly done and out of the way to say, okay, we're happy to start the season with this. And then everything else is, you know, we can make do. If we do it, we do it. If we don't, we don't. But his movement, I mean, we, I was at the game on, on Sun, uh, was it Saturday? And his movement, his pace, he's just never stops. And what he does, what I notice is he, infuse, he gives enthusiasm to players like Martinelli, players like uh, Saka to, to press alongside him because they know they're not fighting a losing battle. And what I'd say is, I think, what we saw was when Eddie came in, sort of towards the tail of end of last season, we saw what difference a striker can make to the whole system, the whole way we play. And what you've done is you've got a, a better, more mature version of Eddie that's ready to go, basically. He's got something to prove. You know, he he is a hard worker. Obviously, playing for Pep, he's going to be a hard worker. And it just... The, the best thing I can say about him, it feels like he's been at Arsenal... He doesn't even feel like he's a new player. He just slotted in seamlessly. And uh, that's the biggest compliment I can give him. And he, he's just, he's given so much to the fans, the, the the players around him. He's just a big, big boost, you know. Funny enough, I ended up missing both of his goals or two of the three goals on Saturday because I took the little ones. And every time Jeju scored, he decided that's when he wanted to go to the toilet. So thank you very much to him. <laughs> So I ended up watching it on highlights, just like everyone else. <laughs> Femi, when you go uh, on Friday, can you just make sure you just fill him up for a Coke just beforehand? And, uh... <laughs> so Coca-Cola, we should add, not, yeah, not the other Coke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll say Pepsi, we won't get any problems then with, yeah. uh, uh, with meaning. But yeah, definitely go go to the Emirates with a full bladder. That's my only wish for this season. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, now, great point about Jesus you make there. He does feel like he's he's fit into the club uh, like a glove. Um, Carl, I wanted to get your thoughts on, I think it's fair to say you and you and Femi are our two closest men on the ground in terms of regular uh, attendance at games, um, in terms of most weeks you, you go. What's been your feeling in and around both like, sort of your your workplace the way you live like the, the, the general people that you associate with that you know go to games throughout this pre-season spell and and the sort of the end of the season that we've had you know had a chance to adjust to the new squad being built is there a bit of an optimism like is is that sort of feel good feeling coming back Cause it, it does feel like aside from the odd people who just like to you know slag off somebody because that's all they can do on social media it does feel like quite a happy fan base doesn't it are you getting that at ground level in in london itself definitely and i think the biggest compliment or the biggest thing i can say is that opposition fans are starting to be worried about arsenal and i think that's the thing that makes me smile a lot a lot because back in i guess you know last season season before last people were really 
talking about Arsenal as being contenders at all. They were looking at us as almost a, a, a joke team, which I think was absolutely silly. But now people are starting to see, you know, the pieces of the puzzle kind of fit together. And the, the people who know football, not the Gary Neville's of this world, but the people who actually know football are starting to see that Arsenal are building a team and what they're building is something good. I mean, you know, I'm very optimistic about this season. I know I joked earlier and pre-season is only pre-season. You, you know, we beat Chelsea 4-0 in the pre-season game and I love that, absolutely do. But I would take that in the league game any day. You give us a 4-0 win against Chelsea in any league game, I'm, I'm happy. But I think when you talk to opposition fans, you know, the Liverpool fans or the Chelsea fans or the Tottenham fans, like they, you know, they're generally quite worried about us because they know that we finally got a striker who can run in behind. And as Femi alluded to, as soon as Eddie came into the squad um, towards the back end of the season, you saw what we could do when we have a striker who could, who could actually run. And, you know, all credit to um, Lacazette, but he just wasn't the striker that we needed. And I think now that we've got a striker who can run in behind, who can sort of press from the front, and, you know, we've got a team of brilliant midfielders behind him feeding the ball and I think it's absolutely brilliant so for me when you look at Arsenal and you look at the team and what we're building it's just absolutely brilliant and like you said there are going to be people out there who you know always going to be pessimistic when it comes to Arsenal and that's fair that's up to you that's your that's your right but for me I absolutely love it and I think there's a good feeling around Arsenal and I think even if for me, I know it sounds stupid to say this, but Palace away is one of the hardest games we can play just because we haven't taken any points off Palace for a very long time. I think we won against them for at least three seasons, I want to say. So for me, I mean, that was set up, wasn't it? They they knew, Sky knew exactly what we were doing, playing Crystal Palace away under the lights and on a Friday, first game of the season, kind of what we did against um, Brentford last season as well. But obviously, COVID hit and we played the game without a record proper um, senior striker. But I think this season, even if we do, even if we do lose to Crystal Palace, which I don't think we will, but even if we do, I think you've got to realise that no one wins the league in, in, sorry, in August. No one wins the league in August. So you've got to understand that we've got some new players coming to the squad. They've got our bed down. They've got to know how each other plays. And like I said, they've had a full pre-season together, which is brilliant. But you have to understand that we can go out there and do something this season. And that's the fact that I'm sitting here really positively thinking there is a possibility that we can get third or even fourth this season. I'm happy about that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, couldn't couldn't disagree with any of that. And and I like I like the idea that the the streets in and around the ground are buzzing again and that people are actually sort of starting to go, do you know what? Actually I'd quite like to go back and and watch again because I think it's fair to say we are bringing through a new generation of supporter now. The youngsters are starting to replace some of the old, dare I say, there was a few, even maybe amongst us on the podcast, me included, who are probably now classed as the old school and we are a little bit tainted by that kind of, oh God, we're going to be shit again kind of mentality. And it is quite nice to hear that some of the younger and more uh, expressive fans are going to games and, and really tuning up the ideas of, of what's to come. And um, it like this, just, just quickly on that. Yeah. When I went to the ground on Sunday, I couldn't get in the club shop. 
um, mm. at the end of the game. I bought a shot, uh, one of the tops from the Arsenal Direct. And I, all I needed to do was exchange it. When I say the queue was going down the road, it was ridiculous. And that was after the game. Before the game, it was packed. So I had to take it on Sunday when there was no game. And that was the day of the women's final. And it was packed in there on Sunday as well. So you can always get an idea, a feel for how how things are by that kind of thing, where people want to buy everything and anything in the merch of merchandise in that shop. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I think Mister Mister Addy Dazzler is is rather delighted right now, isn't he? Uh, in terms of, well, it's two of them, isn't it, brothers? But yeah, uh, I think it's fair to say one thing they have always been very good at is. Uh, it is knowing when to pull the trigger on new merch. <laughs> they are very good at that. So incoming fifth kit when we lose to God knows who in November shortly. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. And that, that is a good sign. Just before we um, move on, I want to sort of dissect, maybe give each person a subject each before we look at the game ahead on Friday. Uh, just one thing. Uh you guys in the chat, we love you to bits. We genuinely do love each and every one of you, even the trolls. Not Spurs fans, though. Uh, we do have to say there is a, a, a maybe a, a slight elephant in the room um, that I'm sure many of you listen to other podcasts and I'm sure you've heard this message a thousand times. We're just going to echo it. Um, certain individuals uh, within the club who shall not be named and certain incidents which we will not be commenting on. That's basically our stance at this point. There's nothing out there that we have a, a right to comment on at this particular point in time. And I think it's only fair that we just draw a line under that particular subject right now. Um, we will obviously talk about squad and depth and everything, and we'll come on to that in a moment. But yeah, if we can just refrain from using anything terminology wise or alluding to certain things in the chat, that would be appreciated. Thank you kindly. Moving swiftly on, uh, Josh, I'll come to you next. So like I, I want to kind of give each one of you a little bit of a topic um, just to kind of chew into. So I'm going to ask you, uh, Josh, about the the squad where we are. You you touched on kind of ins and outs. I wanted to ask you more about what we've got right now, so where we are right, right as we stand with this squad. If you eliminate the idea of some of those fringe players moving on, where do you sort of feel is the strongest area of this team in particular now? And do you feel like we might get a bit of a variation on the Arteta ball this season. The pressing's been noticeably different in pre-season. There's been a real sort of high octane energy of, mm. of about the football. And, and in a certain documentary, we're probably going to see this weekend. Uh, I think we'll see a bit more of that being born. Do you, do you feel there is a particular strength in the squad right now that we've really addressed and that you're quite excited by, or are you just happy with the squad in general? Yeah, I think we'll see the stark difference on it's Thursday night, isn't it? That all or nothing premieres um, because it will be showing the old forward line and seeing how we were trying to knit those together. And I think, unfortunately, we had a couple of players that couldn't really lead the press in the way it needed to be. And it was always being led from kind of the by a backseat driver in Odegaard. You know, not that that was a bad thing. I think when we saw the pressing that he can do and whenever you see him play, you can see him really leading that charge but that was almost in spite of the fact that our forwards couldn't he just Lacazette couldn't get around the pitch as quickly as we needed him to be and um yeah Abamyang, um lest we forget was busy elsewhere I think um and I think that's the big thing that we're finding now is that we've got 
Jesus, and you can see the difference he's made. I think when I, um, I was on the pod last, we were talking about preseason, and it was amazing. Just that, you know, kind of tiny cameo from Gabriel Jesus, where he just laid the ball off, and you know what? He then got on to the next pass. He played that one-two, which involved him driving into the box, and just that sequence, you knew we've had a massive upgrade here. So I think in terms of where we are strongest, I think ironically, it's probably towards the back in terms of we've got a lot of defenders on our books right now. Um, We obviously, Nuno's gone out to Marseille, which I think is a decent move for him, uh, to be honest. I thought it would either be in Europa League or, you know, with Marseille into a decent league, despite what the haters say, uh, because obviously Florent Barragan has gone there as well. He's going to be coming up against some decent wingers in that league. And so he's going to have to learn pretty quickly how to defend. I think one of the fortunate things of Sampaoli going as well is that it's going to be a slightly more structured squad, should we say, in formation-wise. It's going to be a bit more positionally disciplined. Um, R.O.P. Guendouzi on that one. Um, But yeah, I think defensively, we've got a great number of players in place. Where I think we are currently weak is again in the forward line. You know, you look at midfield, we've got plenty of options in there. It's interesting to see the links continuing with Yuri Tielemans because obviously we still want to, it sounds like we still want to bring in more players in that kind of number eight position um, where it seems like the club have already said about Sambi that whilst when he joined from Andalek and said, yep, I'm a number six, I want to play number six, that's my role. You can clearly see in this preseason uh, and everything that's coming out that they can see that he could transfer into that um, box-to-box midfielder, that kind of number eight. So I think Tielemans potentially coming in. It looks like we're addressing that. And again, in the wide areas, whilst nobody's left, it shows how we've stacked for quality as well. Um, obviously, Saka, Vieira, we haven't seen anything from him yet, but from a highlight reel, he looks like a great option for us. Uh, anywhere across that um, front or kind of three behind the striker. Obviously, it sounds like Smith Rowe's still got injury issues as well. He's going to miss the opening game of the season. So we're going to need uh, all of the options that we've got there right now. So it is kind of that forward line. If Jesus isn't available, it's going to be just Eddie. And then I know we always want to think the worst, but what is our third option for a striker? Obviously, we've brought in a lot of diminutive playmakers. Is it a chance for one of those to be playing in the kind of false nine position? But I think we'll have to see what happens when Europa League rolls around. Mm. Yeah, when we're playing FC God knows where from Transylvania or mm. whatever it is, yeah, that, that draw. I think I'm right in saying, isn't it um, Champions League qualifiers tonight? I think Monaco are playing tonight. so it, it, uh, It's really- second round, isn't it? Because Rangers are playing tonight as well. Um, yes. and it's the winner are... of that game going to um, the head because it's Monaco playing PSV right yeah Monaco, Monaco are behind. losing yeah yeah and Rangers are behind as well to Royal Union of Belgium so yeah and, up the Bloom uh, Army there you go and Dynamo Zagreb um, are still there they're always there aren't they every year them and all such um, <laughs> yeah a couple, just a couple of quick things to pick up on what you said there about two players in particular. I think Fabio Vieira, I think we're going to see the best of him in the Europa League. I just get the feeling that that competition might be exactly what he needs to adjust and acclimatise because I, I, I feel like 
just based around his what I've seen of him, he's very slight, isn't he? I feel like he needs mm. to go through the the Eddie and Ketia school of learning how to bulk up. Um, it's that one. He's... A bit like Saka as well. If yeah, you think true. about it. Saka had his best games in the Europa League where he wasn't given as much a uh, yeah rough and tumble. Yeah, yeah, wasn't kicked off the pitch like he is, <laughs> has been all preseason again. Um, and the other one you mentioned there is Fuller and Balogun. I don't know if the the deal to Rafs has gone through officially yet, but I know it's close. Um, that's a really good move, in my opinion. Uh, Rams are that they're, they're a side who will look at him and think we, we he will start every week. Uh, Rams used to have Hugo Ekatike, who's gone to PSG now. Um, he will get games there, and yes, uh, let's address the issue of the the league is slightly weaker than the Premier League, but it's also less physical than the Championship in terms of um, just. There's a lot of comp- competition, not physical, literally. There's a lot of competition in the championship for getting out of that league. In Liga, there is the big the big gun who will win the league. We all know who they are. And then there's three or four who will be in the European chase. And then you've got a big cluster of teams that are all close together. And uh, Rams are one of those clubs that if if uh, Ballerin, uh, Beller- Ballerin, if um, Balogun gets uh, gets the game time, which I think he will, I, I think he will score ten to fifteen goals in in that league fairly comfortably if they get the service right. So I'm quite excited about that move, and I'm I'm actually more keen on him going over there than I would have been for him going back to the championship. So that's good. Um, John, we do have to address the uh, sort of issue, I suppose, of of outgoings and um, who who are you looking at because th- there's been this whole sort of talk about how we're letting players go too cheap how we're essentially just paying people to go away and I, and I do get that and I do understand that and I'm quite glad that we we've stuck our feet in quite hard on the burnt Leno deal I still think Fulham are getting a, a good bargain there because I still think he's worth a bit more than that but he looks like eight million what about the other players that Josh brought up we're looking at Hector, for example. You know, Betis, Betis are trying to get a cheap deal here. Um, and I would argue, if you want him, just pay the money or offer us something. Um, Torreira, £8 million, seems like a bit of a bargain. Are we in that position now where we do just need to get rid of some of these players and that's it? Simple as that. Just get them off the books at all costs. Or do you want to see us try and push for fees? Um, I think, honestly, I think it comes down to the individual contract. So, like... Leno for eight million, I yeah, I get it, it is cheap, but you have to look at how much that takes off the wage bill. And I think that's probably a large driving factor of certain players being allowed to go for much isn't lower on, fees. Isn't he on a hundred K I read somewhere, Leno? Yeah, for, at least at minimum a hundred. He might be on more, I'm not sure. Yeah. So yeah. so the, again, it's a big chunk um straight off the wage bill. Uh Terrell was on yeah, if he wasn't on 100, he was not far off it, I would have thought. Um, guys like Maitland-Niles and Reese Nelson are obviously going to be on less. But those sort of bigger name players, or, you know, suppose, it's, I guess, stars in the previous team, are going to be on big money. So I think if you do get an offer, you take it. Uh, Bellerin is a weird one because I think the club and the player both agree that it's time for him to move on. And he has a somewhere he wants to go and they want him as well. And it's just about trying to work that out. I don't know what sort of agreement they can come to. I hope they do for Hector's sake, because I don't think he's been like he's come back from his loan spell. He obviously wanted to stay there, but he's come back. He's been professional. He's been uh, training. He's played a little bit in preseason as well. Um, And he's quite clearly happy to take a pay cut to go there as well. 
So I think they'll probably find some sort of agreement. It's not going to be mega money. It might only be sort of Terea sort of money. Might be, you know, something like that. Or maybe they've got some, I don't know, kids in their academy who were interested in or something. Um, I think the most interesting one will be whether Pepe goes or not. That's sort of the the big deal one. Um, the problem we've got with Pepe is that no one is really knocking on the door massively for him at the moment. Like there's clubs interested, but I mean, we're never getting any, well, we're not even getting half of what we paid for him. But again, with Pepe, if I'm honest, if someone came in and said, we'll give you 20 million, which I think we'd probably struggle to get unless it was another Premier League side. If it's from like mainland Europe, I don't think we're getting that much. But if a Premier League team came in and said, we'll give you 20, 25 million, I'd just say yes straight away because that's nearly 200 grand, I think, a week off the wages, which is huge. Um, and I know people don't get excited about wages and wage bill and structures and all those sorts of things, but it completely changes the dynamic of what you can do in the transfer window. The reason why we've been able to go out and spend so much money in the last two windows, one, the Cronkies, who people don't particularly like, but to be fair, since they've had 100% control, they've really backed the team and chucked some money in it. I know there's the how much debt are they putting in the club, but it's modern football. You haven't really got a choice. Um, but yeah, if you if you shift him as well, then I think that's the big one. And I think if he does go, then that allows the room for another forward to come in who is, whether it's a, an out-and-out striker who's something different to Jesus or someone more like Rafinha who can play left or right as a 10, as a second striker that we like looked at before. Um, I think a lot of the, I think Maitland-Niles and, and Reese Nelson, people like that will go, but I think that'll probably be like last week of the window sort of thing where you get clubs like, whether it be in the Championship or lower down the Premier League, who are like, oh, we're a bit short on numbers. We need some players who've got minutes, who, who've played in the league. Maybe not the highest quality in the world, but they're English, they fill our quota, they're not going to cost us a lot in wages, and they're still young enough that if it doesn't work out, we can maybe sell them on for a little bit in two, three years' time kind of thing. Um, so I'm not massively worried about it. It sucks that we've look, it looks like we've lost so much money on players. But the way clubs do their books now over however so many years, it doesn't. You, it's, if you buy a player for 70 million and sell him for 50, you don't actually lose 20 million. It's just not the way the finances are worked out. Um, so it's and we more just like clearing that wage bill down, isn't it? And we make that back in, in shirt sales in the armory anyway. So that's oh, fine. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, Femi, Femi hasn't told you is that he, his kids actually, he's, he's just left in there. He's still waiting outside yeah. to get in the shop. He's still there. <laughs> Can't come home until you got that shirt. Thank you. You made me miss two goals. <laughs> yeah, you can stay there. Um, and also, when you mentioned, uh, like you mentioned about players being paid off, all I can ever think about is that like DJ Khaled uh, meme was like another one, just like, oh, people yeah, just yeah, yeah. marching out the door, going another one, another one, just signed but, off. I mean, it, it shows you how many players that we had on really high wages who were not of the quality to be on that sort of money. We were paying mm. Champions League wages to players who weren't Champions League quality. And if yeah. you look at the squad now to just even two, three years ago, you're like, wow, yeah. there might have been like bigger household names in the squad three years ago, but were they there for the right reasons? Did they have the right mentality and all that sort of thing? It's, it's, it's a very different club and it, it feels more like when Arsene was there in his earlier days, um, and you know, and George Graham and people like that, it feels like a proper like family unit now when you see them all playing together and the way they all yeah. interact. 
we've we've come a long way since the Kolasinac, Mark Mustafi, oh. Socrates, David Luiz. Oh. I could go on. Um, yeah, heady days. That's right up there with the Giroud and and uh, Andre Santos era banter times. But yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, Carl, I want to ask you about the specifically about the defence. Bit, I was a bit of a weird question, I know, but there's there's a lot of debate in the Arsenal community, I suppose you could say, about you know who starts, who's best to play where, who does what, etc., and so on. Um, if we take it as read that Hector probably will move on, uh, and I think Pablo Mari and his lovely tan will probably find passes new as well. Realistically, we've got four. Uh, very high quality central defenders, or at least three plus one who can play there in, in Tomiyasu, arguably Chiantini as well. The the back four on Friday seems to be set because of the doubts over Tierney and and Tomiyasu. Um, we will open the Saliba box at this point and and parade it around the world to everybody. But whether you whether you sit in the Ben White's better camp, whether you sit in the Saliba's better, whether you sit in the Gabriel's better camp. That defence to me this season, even with Cedric still hanging around, by the way, it feels to me like there's real competition there, doesn't there? And while we're on the defence, I think Gabriel might need to have a word with Rob Holding about that hair transplant because it's not a great look, is it? But for me, I love the idea of Saliba and Gabriel together because it just gives you everything. And Saliba is just, he's just, there's something about him. I think John said earlier on, there's a pre- there's a presence about him. There's a confidence, and don't get me wrong, he will drop a bollock this season because he's that kind of defender. Something will go wrong, but he'll get over it. He's got a good personality. My question to you is, is simply, what defence would you play if you were the manager, and what defence do you want to see us play? I guess you know how do you want to see us play, and are you willing to sacrifice one of those regular names to get a, a fresher approach into that defence? You know, it's going to be the cliche, but it does depend on who we're playing. I mean, if given all our players were fit, would I want to play Ben White at right back against Zaha on Friday? No, I wouldn't. I would rather someone like Tommy Yasu playing against Zaha um, there because you know, you know what Zaha's going to give you. He's a tricky winger. Um, he's just going to. He's very direct. He's going to run at you. He's going to do loads of tricks. He's going to fall over, and I just feel like. Tomiyasu would be able to deal with him a lot better. Saying that, that's not me saying that I don't want Ben White to play there. I just feel that Tomiyasu would be able to handle a tricky winger um, differently. So it does depend on who we're playing um, as to what defence I would like to see. But if I'm... And again, I think we're playing... From next season, we're playing a lot more games than we did last season. So, like you said, we've got the Europa league games that we are going to give the likes of Rob Holding, the likes of Kieran Tierney, a run out Cedric, you know, he'll be playing. Um, and I think because the game's quite come quite thick and fast before the World Cup, I think we've got a lot to pack in. So for me, it depends who you're playing, but I would love to see Tomiyasu, Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko. I I, I listened to Josh and Josh was talking about Kieran Tierney and I kind of ch- tried to dismiss Josh's uh, views about how good Kieran Tierney is or, or what he can give us. And I'm starting to have a few doubts about Kieran Tierney, I'll be very honest with you, because I feel like on his day, when he's fit, he's a brilliant, 
brilliant left back, absolutely brilliant. But the problem is, is when he's fit and he's starting to be less fit than he is actually fit. And for me, it's starting to be a bit of a worry. And I'm sure there's a reason why we brought in Zinchenko. And I mean, um, I feel like Kieran Tierney should be our starting uh, left back. But I feel like he's going to be limited to probably Europa League games this season. Probably just to build up his fitness and not overplay him. And then once, you know, we've made up our mind about um, Tavares, then we've got a decision to make because we possibly have three left-backs in the squad, which, you know, no one wants. And yes, you could argue that Zinchenko could play in midfield, but, you know, we've got to decide, do we get rid of Kieran Tierney? Do we keep him? Because we can't keep carrying a patient or passenger, however you want to look at it, because Kieran Tierney, and I think Josh alluded to this as well, Kieran Tierney can't give you more than 30 games a season without being absolutely fit. And now we've got a, a proper left-back who, you know, he's quite good in Zinchenko. You know, Kieran Tierney's surely got to be looking at his time at Arsenal thinking, OK, uh, I'm not going to be the starting left-back now. I can get Europa League Cup games and they just loaned out a player to see what he can do in France. When he comes back, what's going to happen to my place in the squad? And I think that's something that we've really, really got to look at. Yeah, I, I think I, they, um, they, I say they, they call it the Aaron Ramsey paradox, isn't it? That um, <laughs> it is that kind of player that he's great, but you know, it's like if you've got a sports car in the garage, and this is the analogy I used last season about Thomas Partey, you know, you've got that Lamborghini in the garage, but it's got no wheels on it. So what's the point having it? You can't go and drive it, you can't use it. It's the same with Tierney. And I'm sure if uh, Newcastle have the season they expect to be having, there'll be European football available. And I could very easily see another Scotsman ending up in uh, Tyneside as well it's very trippy isn't it in terms of the other side having mm. an England fullback a Scotland full yeah I, I, I agree with what you both said there I, I think I just feel like this is a bit of a controversial view and I'm sure I'll get hung out to drive for this but when you look at the big clubs and I include Man City Liverpool Chelsea well Chelsea are a bloody shit show at the moment but Man United that lot up the road if you look at it you you can very clearly say who the two starting centre-backs are for every team aren't there can't you Man City Laporte, Ruben Diaz, Man United, uh, maybe not them. Um, you know, Spurs, it's Romero and, um, well, it's actually it's Eric Dyer, isn't it, weirdly at the moment? But let's not mention them. Uh, Chelsea are clearly looking to buy two starting centre-backs, so that's going to be for them. Liverpool, it's it's arguably Matip and, and Van Dijk, although Konate uh, is, is coming up on the rows. But if if you sort of say we've we've legit got three, maybe even four, competing for the same spot it's kind of what you want at a big club isn't it you you want there to be a bit of a a dispute about who's actually going to get in you don't want people to be comfortable and i would argue that gabriel is probably the one who's most likely to be the guaranteed starter of the three and he's new in himself so i i don't i don't see competitiveness being an issue and and don't forget we could play it back i think you like you said carl i think there'll be a few games particularly in europe next year where we will go with a back three and we will say right let's push on these full-backs and let them bomb on up the pitch. And especially with Zinchenko, we've seen it pre-season where they tuck into that central midfield area. So, you know, anything but 
bless him, Granite Xhaka playing at left back. I think he's got to be an upgrade for us right now. I think healthy so. competition is brilliant, isn't it? Like you want that. You want people competing, playing hard. Mm. What, you, what you don't want is someone going to training every day and thinking, do you know what? No matter what, I'm not going to get dropped. I mean, so what about I drop a clanger? And mm. I think it's <coughs> Ozil. So, oh, sorry. Just, <laughs> oh. You had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> oh, I don't know where that came from. That was weird. Oh. That a horrible flashback. I, right. <laughs> I think you're right, Chris. You know, Saliba is going to have, have a mistake in him, just like all, all of our defenders are going to have a mistake in them. And what I don't want is, you know, if he makes a mistake, people to hang him out to dry and, and just... Okay. Um, people to hang him out to dry and say, oh, he's rubbish. No, he's not. Like, every defender is going to make a mistake. Like, even some of the best ones make a mistake. Look at Flipping and Van Dyke in the Champions League final showing his ass um, to, um, was it Valverde? I can't remember who it was, but, you know, he could have closed him down and he didn't. He made a mistake, you know, arguably cost Liverpool the Champions League. Every single um, player does it. So, for me, and people got to remember is that he's young. He's a young yeah. centre back, so he's doing a job, but he's also learning on the job as well. Mm-hmm. And I think him coming to Arsenal, and having Gabriel or a another whoever is playing beside him, um, mm-hmm. learning that experience is just going to be good for him. So I think we've got to allow him to kind of bed in for the season. And remember, he's going to be playing out of his skin to try and get into that France squad. Yeah. For, the, um, for the World Cup and France have got an array of brilliant centre-backs there's so many that France have got um, mm. so he knows he's got to have competition in front of him so he's going to be playing out of his skin to try and get to that squad and I think Mikel's comments have been quite uh, very clever I think over this pre-season where he's big Saliba up and I don't think he would ever admit this in public, but I, I think that there will have been a conversation between him, Edu and, and Saliba to say, you will get opportunities this season because a player of his talent and the season he had at Marseille and now a French international, you ain't telling me we haven't had offers this summer. There will have been clubs who would have looked at him, Bayern Munich, went for De Ligt. There's no way they wouldn't have made an inquiry about someone of that level. So we, we've clearly made him a guarantee that if he stays and he's committed and gets his head down, which he looks like he has, he will get um, game time. Um, Fem, I've, I've left the best for last, really, and uh, I'm going to sort of um, tip the bus up here and gently ease you under it, but in a nice way, uh, because I've left the manager for you uh, to, to discuss here. Um, I think it's fair to say that there was divided opinion on this podcast and across the fan base on, on last season. I held my, you know, I nailed my colours to the mast. I said I was not particularly impressed. I, I was concerned before Christmas. Uh, and I also was quite happy to hold my hands up and say, Do you know what, I could have been wrong. And I, I'm still happy to stick by that. I still think he's got a ways to go. And maybe this documentary will show us uh, not just the most confusing motivational team talk with graphs I've ever seen in my life. But, you know, um, he has his ways. The one thing you cannot criticise Mikel for is this club means a lot to him. That is coming across big time. And it's clear that he is building something. I'm not going to use the P word, but he is building something here. He's got the fans pretty much on side. And I think he knows the pressure is on this summer. Have you been have you been impressed with what he has been doing since the the fallout of last season? And I guess the biggest compliment I can pay him, and I don't know if you agree to this, but we're not really talking about how we missed out on what should have been a guaranteed fourth place. We're all just looking forwards now. 
are you are you optimistic that he is going to get this right and that he's going to sort of turn this team into a side that's going to compete for major honours? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've always said that I was always 50-50. Sometimes I tipped to 60-40 in, 60-40 out, but I never sort of massively go, you know, so, you know, we're, it gets to a point where sometimes we're not happy about results. We vent, it goes round and round. But I think what he's done is, and we cannot deny it, is he's brought the fans back on side. I think, you know, if you look at where the fans were when Wenger left, when Emery was there, it was some of the worst times. I, I mean, on the Emery, I said that's the worst I've ever felt as an Arsenal fan, you know? It, it was just miserable. It was just like, do, what are we doing here? You know, so he's devised a clear plan, a clear idea, and that's all you can ask, you know? Whether it goes right or wrong, that's a different thing. But the first thing you do is you devise a plan, you say, I want the club to be this. The club means this. And I love the fact that he always bangs on about... I Like I said, I said I could listen to him talk forever. He can sell anything. He's the best salesman as a manager that I've heard. He he, he will tell you what you want to hear. You know, and, and I love the, the talk of, you know, we don't want to be aiming for top four. We want to go higher than that. You know, this is Arsenal. He always says that. This is Arsenal, you know. We should be aiming to win the league. We should be aiming for higher. You know, it, it's hard, but, you know, he's putting in the hard work. Um, And he seems to have his clear idea of this is what he wants to go for. He managed expectations, managed the team in the initial part, um, you know, with the formation that he, he brought in, the three at the back, just to get through to a certain phase. Then during last season, we somehow changed to the 4-3-3 without us as fans even noticing it. And then the, the style of play started to change as well, slowly. And now, just judging by preseason, you know, that style of play with, as he always says, specific player or, or players or specificity, whatever he calls it, now you're seeing the next level of that style of play that, okay, now we can build on what we're doing. We can build not only from the back, but we can press more, which I always complain about that we didn't press enough. We can, the left side looks, you know, as competent as the right side now. You know, so it, it, it's slow building blocks that he, himself and Edu have, have done. But I just like the fact that he's identified what he wants to do. And I think that this documentary is going to be a showcase for him. I don't know if you guys have seen the clip um, today of the, the Anfield clip that he's done. <clears throat> I mean, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, Jesus, <laughs> so funny, you know. Like, um, but it looks like this is going to be a showcase for him as a manager, as a man, to say this is a stamp that he's leaving. I, I thought it would, personally when they first announced this um, documentary, I thought it was going to be the Josh Concrete Cronky show. I thought he was going to be all over it, but it looks like this is a the Arteta show. It looks like Arteta is going to be, you know, the man to showcase him. Um, hopefully, not too much. Maybe other teams want to take a look at him. But what I notice is when you're watching things like the motivational speak and these little things that he does, the way he behaves, other players will that outside of the club they'll watch that and they'll think, oh, right, I do want to, this manager, like we as fans won't see these things that footballers see, but the passion that he shows, the way that he speaks, the, the, they'll see all of this in the documentary. And when it comes to signing for Arsenal, he, he, he'll just talk to them and they'll already have an idea of who he is and he'll make it a lot easier for us to sign players. Even though now you can see that he talks to players and he gets 
the players that he wants, he usually gets an idea in their head that he gets to speak to, and they usually end up signing. So I think by them watching that, footballers know, they'll see his behaviour, the passion. You'll find it easier to sign big players just from the, the display that they'll probably see as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'll, I'll share a, a personal story. I, I can't name the person because he would literally cut my balls off. But I was lucky enough to have a conversation uh, very late last night, actually, uh, with somebody who has done some work in and around the club. And he was very close to the people who were doing the documentary. Um, so it won't take you, it won't take a miracle worker to understand what industry he's in. But anyway, um, and it's not Simon, I should stress, it's somebody completely separate. And he was saying that in and around the time that he had access to some of the filming and some of the uh, the bits and bobs, he said, he said to me, he's seen the documentary and he said, when you see it and when you watch it, the bits that they have edited out are it's not for show like the stuff that you see is Mikel but that is how he is um and he shared a story with me and he said that there was one night where the production crew for the series when they were sort of doing some they still you know like at the end of the film where they have to go back to location and do some extra shots because they missed certain bits or they need to do not reshoots but they need to get some landscapes in and stuff like that apparently they came back to to Colney one evening because they wanted to do some extra stuff behind the scenes and Mikel was still in his office and he was still in his office when they arrived and he was still in his office when they left and they left and it was 20 past three in the morning and he was still in his office uh, and, and he, he just gave very specific instructions to not disturb him because he was watching game footage that's what he was doing. His family must absolutely hate him. That's all I'm going to say. They must be like, oh, Mikhail's watching games again. We'll just go to bed, kids. You know, just turn the lights off when you're done. Um, but yeah, he, he clearly wants to make this work. And whatever we see or we don't see in this documentary, uh, I think it's very, very clear to see that he he believes what he's saying. And those players, and this is the other thing that was shared with me, those players buy it. They really do buy it. You know, it's none of this. Oh God, Mikel's off again. They clearly buy it, and the ones who didn't buy it are not there anymore. And there's probably a reason for that. So, you know, that, that sold me. I have to say, um, I want to do something uh, just uh, very quick fire. This is I'm I'm going to ask you all the same question, and I just want you to give me sort of like thirty seconds to a minute answer each. And the question I'm going to pose to you is: You've got one position in this squad that you can strengthen before the end of the window, which is, I presume it's the end of August. I haven't looked it up. Um, you're allowed to bring in one player. You don't need to give me a name if you don't want to. If you've got a name, go for it. Be a hipster. But I want one name from you or one position from you that if you can only strengthen one position, I want to know what position you'd strengthen and why. I'll just go the order we're in here. So, Carl, I'll start with you. For me, it would be... Uh, winger slash forward, someone who can play in both positions, just because I f and I want it to be someone who's tall. The reason why I want that because I think if you play Jesus and it's not working, the only other person you've got to bring on is Eddie, who is a kind of a similar player. I would love a tall striker, dare I say, Giroud esque, who we could <laughs> float balls into and can get onto the. Um, on into the box and get their head on there. I think at the moment we've got really little players and I, I feel that we, sometimes we need to change it up a little bit. And with the players that we've got in the squad now, I don't think we can do that. So 
for me, just someone who's tall, who can get onto the end of crosses. That's not me saying Calvert-Lewin, by the way. I do not want that guy in the squad at all. But someone of a similar ilk. Cool. Okay. So uh, on Twitter, that's at that London guy. Uh, he wants Andy Carroll. So just tweet him and let him know what your thoughts are about that. Cause it's very clear that that's what he's referring to. Um, John, uh, same question to you then. And again, you can give us a name or you can float away from a name. It's entirely up to you. Um, I can't, well, I don't have a name specifically. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with Carl. I think it's a forward and I'm I'm more on the wide player uh, than I am like a big sort of central striker. I do actually think Nketi is good enough. He's probably going to surprise some people this season. Um, but yeah, someone who can play either side or can play as a second striker. Um, just off the top of my head. Um, not that we'd ever get them, but like a Ansu Fati or a Florian Vitz, uh, Vertz, even not Vitz. Um, that kind of style of player uh, who can make something happen but could get goals for himself. Um, I mean, that's the one area where, you know, if if Jesus picked up an injury or Saka did or something, then it's not that we don't have cover, but I don't think the quality is as good. And if you get that at the wrong time of the season, it would be a little bit awkward. I just think it makes the rotation a little bit better and better options off the bench, especially with five subs this season. It's like going to be a huge thing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, hard to disagree. Um, Fam, are you, are you in the same thought process or are you going to go rogue here? No, 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 no. I, I think we do need... I mean, Saka played 38 games last season. <laughs> I mean, that's impossible to go again. So, see, I was looking at a play, I was listening to a European show the other night and there was a player that, when they were saying who's going to be top scorer in Germany, um, one of the reporters mentioned Marcus Turam. He thinks mm. we'll have a good season. Now... But I'm looking at him. He looks like he plays left-sided forward. But apparently last season, he played right up front. And he's, he's a centre-forward. He's a centre-forward. And his yeah. height is one meet, 1.92 metres, whatever that means. I don't know what that means. 6'4", isn't he, I think? 6'3", yeah, three, six, six, four. Four. Yeah. Something like that. That's the kind of player that I will be looking at. Someone that can play up front, but can play wide as well. Um, I don't know how much you would cost, but you know something like that. So, yeah, that that's what I'd be looking for. You know, someone that can cover wide. Um, obviously, if he plays left, you can have Martinelli. You know, just just things that we can tweak because we're clearly going for Rafinha for a specific reason, and mm. that's what I would I would still go for something like that. Interesting. If, um, if we got to Ram, he would be our second best player for to come from Gladbach. After Granite Jacker, obviously. See, see, what you, see what you've done there. See what you've done there. I don't like it, but I see what you've done there. Um, Josh, are you are you gonna sit in the same box or are you stepping outside the the other opinions? Uh, ooh, no. Now that Nuno's gone, and I think we're keeping our left backs um, as set. No, actually, yeah, screw it. Kieran Tierney off to Newcastle, and we're going in for a last minute bid for Kukurea. That's what's happening. <laughs> I want Kukurea. If he's going anywhere to any team in the top six, he's going to Arsenal. That's what's happening because that man cannot go to Chelsea because I cannot hate him. It's not allowed. Um, it's like when but, players go to Spurs, isn't it? You just can't. Exactly. I can't hate main. him. It's already dead to me. That's fine. Um, but I can't do it to Kukurea. He's just too lovely. Now. Oh, and the rest. I want the rest. 70 million. 
70 million, but he's the best left back in world football right now. Um, and that's without any bias. He is that good. Um, but no, realistically, I'm probably with everybody else. It's for me, I, I want a right footer playing off the left hand side, cover for Martinelli. I don't think there's anyone right now in the squad that takes up that position, uh, unless it's an opportunity for maybe Inketia playing off that side because that's what he looked like he did in preseason. Um, and I'd, I'd really like, um, I actually wanted Veghorst, wanted him before he went to Burnley. He sadly he's gone to the Super League now, but you know, some massive, massive player just up there. Um, as a striker as we've all mentioned it's that other option we were crying out for it in the Wenger era um, because that's what I think we'll get this season is oh we're still struggling to score goals another diminutive playmaker please Uh, (laughs) that's what will happen that's all I can think of I mean I guess there's a reason why we had a look at Skimaka I mean John you probably know better than, than a lot of us I mean he's but but he's not just a big lad, is he? He's because I saw I saw I don't know who it was. There was a podcast they were talking about West Ham and they were saying, oh, you know, David Moyes has, has dropped a bollock here because he couldn't make it work with Sebastian Haller. So why is he gone for Skimaka? That's doing Skimaka a massive disservice. And get well soon, Seb Haller, by the way. But he is a very one-dimensional striker. Skimaka's far more technically good as well yeah. as being a big tall lump, isn't he? So they clearly have had a think about that mm. high sort of bulky centre forward but there aren't many around are there I mean the days not, of Slatan and Giroud they're not really not the, not of that old sort of style of I mean like we used to call Giroud the lamppost which is, was insulting to his skill because he was very technically good um, but yeah like you said Skamaka is I guess in the way people probably have seen or watched more of the Hivich than they wanted to after he went to Juventus. Um, but in the way that he's quite physically strong and big, Skamaka's got the same thing, that he's upright but very quick on the ball and quick feet and everything else. So there's not a ton of them. At the moment we looked at him, I was like, that ain't happening because he's mm. Italian. And the fact he's gone yeah. to West Ham, like I hope for his sake that he can break the mould and suddenly Italians can leave Syria. That'd be great for me because there'd be loads of players I could tell everyone about and bore the shit out. Of them. Um, but I just don't see it happening. <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine. I can't imagine the Italian food down at the West End is that great compared to what his <laughs> mum, so. what his mum cooks at home. So yeah. maybe Canio sorted himself out with uh, uh, giving yeah. him more words. <laughs> I, I wanted I wanted to ask you all that question because I'm in the same box. I, I I think that forward is the key area, and and I you know it's very clear that Gabriel Jesus is gonna is gonna be the, the man, but any injury to him is what concerns me, and what also concerns me as well is Mikel has openly said he he sees him and and Eddie playing together sometimes. Well, mm. then we literally have no other forwards. Balogun going, and I know people say yeah, but Martinelli and you know Smith Rowe is a false nine. Don't get me wrong, both super talented footballers but I want us to move away from that oh but he can play there oh but he's left footed so he could just play left back no no, just let the players play where they are supposed to play and let's not buy a winger who can be a striker let's buy a striker who happens to drift wide you know a la Thierry Henry I said in the group the other day that if Davos Suka was around right now he'd be perfect you know or Eduardo imagine Eduardo peak in this team you know, he would be absolutely perfect. Experienced European has that sort of low centre of gravity, but is also a presence in and around the box for link play. There aren't many out there. And I know people will be saying to me, oh, there must be someone in France. There really isn't. If you if you went young 
Callum Wendo is an option at PSG because they brought in uh, Katike now, which means Callum Wendo probably isn't going to get game time, but he's young and he's raw. And then after that, you're scratching around. You're looking at like Mauro Icardi, which, you know, you know as well as I do, John, comes with a lot of baggage. And I, I can't imagine him and Mikel seeing eye to eye. He's a finisher. I'll say that. He is a finisher, but he, you know, he's not somebody you'd go for for that regard. And then you're looking at high price players who it's the Harry Kane issue at Spurs, isn't it? If you sign a player who's coming in, Richarlison, they've gone for, he, they're going to want to play. Like, they're not going to want to just sit on the bench behind Eddie and Kurt here, are they? So I, I sort of feel like you either have to go older, older persuasion striker, somebody who's going to come in and just be happy to do a job, or you're going to have to go young and take the gamble that you can get the next Anelka type player who's happy to play 10, 15 games a season and then make the breakthrough later on. So it's a tough juggling act. Um, I just feel like we need a plan B. I think it's all we do. Um, you know, if a team's playing the low block, and we, we had real trouble breaking down teams last season, all saying that we, the personnel that we had um, mm. is a little bit different now. I just feel like we just need something to change up. And even if it is lumping up to the big man, it, that's still a plan B. I feel yeah. like, you know, trying to play over the top when a team's playing the low block or playing it into feet sometimes doesn't work. And maybe it will this season with the players that we have, but... You know, it would be nice to Kieran Tierney when he's throwing in these 25 crosses a game. Um, someone getting on the end of it, like a big, tall, six-foot-plus striker. I will yeah. say, Gabriel Jesus scores a lot of headers for a very he does. small guy. Yeah, he's and got a good spring. You don't, you don't have to be massive to score, mm. to beat a defence, even a low block. Think Man United when they had Javier Hernandez. Yeah. Yeah, he used to come off the bench and just bang goals in for fun. I do and, yeah. I do trust our players, the playmakers behind the striker, to find a player in space in the box, which is kind of what you need to win a header. Some of yeah. the balls I've seen Martinelli play this preseason into Jesus has just been insane. Mm. But I still get that, that you want that big physical presence just because although Gabriel may win a loss in the air, there's still that... You still want a, a striker who probably weighs north of 180 pounds to just stop a centre-back. But as we say, there's not many of those in world football. And if they are, they're either mega money and don't want to play behind Jesus because fundamentally that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a player who wants to, is happy to play behind Jesus, but isn't young and up and coming and saying, well, I'm now going to be spending my entire career competing with Nketiah on the way through. So our only mm. option is that old experience. A player like, I would say, in what you think of right now, is Cavani. But as Man United found out, <laughs> players who are still like 36, 37 and have still got you know, enough in the tank, they also want to play every game. Yeah. So they're just going off and finding it. And I don't think you've got... We haven't got, looking up in the top corner of who we've got in the screen right now, is Elneny. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for the Elneny of strikers. Yeah, that's it. A journeyman almost. Uh, a guy who's, you know, who's not going to rock the boat and is happy to be part of a, a club, um, yeah, signing that comes out of the blue and you go, why has he gone there? Like, yeah, I, I agree with that. The the, the only um, the only other one that's just come to mind, or two that came to mind, one was in the chat. I think Noza mentioned it, Alexander Isak. But I think the reason that went quiet is because he would want to play. He would want to be a guy. He's not going to leave Sociedad where he's got European football and is, you know, I think they qualified, didn't they? Um, but yeah, he, he's going to want to play week in, week out. He's not going to come to be backup. 
the and the only other one that has just come to mind from France who does tick every box for me is Jonathan David. But he's again not. Oh, there you go, Stan's just put it in the chat. <laughs> Timing. Um, he's he again. He's not going to want to come in and be second fiddle. He's a Canadian international. There's a World Cup coming up. You know, he's going to want to play. Um, and he might be, he might be the next one that a club take a punt on. Um, and I mean, like a, a sort of a top seven or eight club. Um, I, I could see him coming in and doing a job, but he's going to want to play. So it's. A I tough think. Policy. I think what we what we're hoping for is we're probably getting in that. Well, hopefully getting in that that with them lot down the road where they've got a striker that everyone knows is going to play if he's fit every single yeah. game and he's going to score goals. So then what we want is, if we've got Jesus in that position, it, it makes it, they haven't been able to sign a backup striker for donkeys of years because mm. the, the player knows that they won't hardly get any game, any game time, you know. And if, if, if they put this much trust in Enketia as well to give him that much money, that means he's going to play as well. So you're mm. probably looking at a utility-type backup player in that position. Just, I suppose what helps us... I suppose what helps us is January isn't actually that far away. True. You think about it. There's a big old five week gap, a big yeah. break. And if any of our players that aren't going to the world cup, I was listening to a podcast um, earlier today, talking about in the sense of Liverpool, Salah's not going to the world cup. He's got five weeks off in the middle of the season as a winter break. Mm. That's going to be very big for a lot of our players. I know Saka will end up going to the world cup. There might be a question on whether or not, Vieira goes out there. Smith Rowe probably doesn't make our World Cup squad. Martinelli, again, depends on his form. If he makes the Brazil squad, there's going to be a lot of players that actually are going to get a quite nice break and we can probably reassess at that point. It's going to be a, a hell of a slog until we get to that December where we're playing a gazillion games. Yeah. But it's then that five-week break and I think the way we've built the squad kind of works out quite well that by yeah. the time the World Cup players come back because I think despite um, what we may think about the England squad, we're expecting them to get quite far in that competition. So we're not expecting to see Saka back until the season's well underway. I think you could probably say the same about Brazil. It's going to be a case of Enketia's leading that line the next couple of next couple of games as soon as we're back. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh, the, the the only other one I, I would just float out, and I'll gauge by the facial expressions of you all, but somebody who you could get who is experienced, who has got international experience, who has played in a majority of leagues, is quite a big personality, didn't succeed in England. However, in the right team and the right setup, I think he would thrive. Slatan. No, he, he's Dutch. Anyone have any ideas who I'm thinking of here? And funnily enough, Paul has just almost read my mind there. One of Barca's cast-offs. Memphis Depay. Oh, Braithwaite. Oh, oh, I thought he was thinking Braithwaite. Yeah. <laughs> no, Middlesbrough um, legend. No, Memphis. Yeah, I, I read today that Barca are coming to an agreement to basically let him, let him go, go. go away because yeah. we have no money and we have to try and pay Frankie Get de Jong at some point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hasn't that got Juventus written all over it, him going to Juventus? Like, I don't yeah, think I, um, I mean... Mm. It's, it's that box marked Alvaro Morata, those strikers that nobody really is quite sure about, takes a gamble and it either goes really well or really badly. I mean, he, was, he, was, he doesn't he was strike me as a Mikel type, I'll be honest. No, got, there got is. Got the a... ability, but. Mm. 
there's a lot going on off the pitch, yeah. isn't there? And <laughs> albums and God knows what. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Just one of those that just came to mind. And the only other one who I would bite your hand off is, is Anton Griezmann. But of course, I don't think that's going to happen because he'd want to play every week. But yeah, uh, interesting. Okay. Um, right. Let's uh, let's go into our final segment now, which I'm, I'm going to uh, very rather than say listeners questions, I'm going to rename it to any other Arsenal business. Uh, AOAB, which is uh, where we turn it over to you, the the loyal listener slash viewer, uh, whichever you are. And uh, this is the part where Danny earns his corn and puts some uh, questions into the chat. Haven't forgotten about Palace. We will sort of wrap the show up with just general thoughts on that. But this isn't really a a preview of the Palace game. It's more of a season preview. So let's go for these questions. Um, I'm just going to fire them at people at random. So, uh, Carl, I'll give you this first one. Julian. Uh, quick question: Would you get Tielemans in, or maybe go for a different option? I personally would go for a different option. What we just spoke about um, the archetypal up front slash winger player. Uh, I don't really think that we need Tielemans, if I'm really honest. However, it does look like um, he's coming to us because this rumor just will not go away, and I know Leicester are in a little bit of trouble financially, so. I think they need to get rid of some players. Plus, Tillemans in his last year of his contract. So we can pick him up for, you know, 15 million. Because it seems like if we wanted him for 20 million, we would have got him by now. And I think we're just trying to wait till we get to the closing end of the transfer market. And we can just say to Leicester, oh, Leicester, you know, we talk about 20 million. Here's 15 million. Hold that Mm. sharp. And just give us they're, so they're they're in they're in the mud, aren't they, Leicester? I was reading about that they've been mismanaged financially or something, and they're a bit up the yeah. Creek. It looks like, and I guess smart people can quote me on this. Like when the last owner sort of passed away, he was pumping loads and loads of money in, and the son apparently is not that interested in football, so he hasn't been pumping mm. that much money into the into uh, the team. So I think that's the issue. I mean, I know. Um, there's talk of um, Schmeichel going to France, isn't he? But he going to Nice, that's all yeah. almost done. Yeah, it's almost finished. So yeah. they're going and Fofana as well. There's talk of him leaving. Uh, Madison as well. Going to Chelsea, Madison and also... Um, Harvey Barnes. Harvey Barnes, Harvey Barnes as well, which is someone that I would take, actually. I'll be very honest with you. I would mm. probably take Harvey Barnes. But yeah, yeah, it looks like fun. Madison's going to Newcastle. Harvey Barnes might be leaving. Fofana might be leaving. That's mm. kind of their spine, isn't it? So... Um, yeah, Leicester are in a little bit of trouble. So, yeah, mm. I think definitely I would take Tillemans, but I would rather someone else, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does It does strike me as a sort of quarter to midnight deadline deal kind of, or go on then type of situation if there's nobody else left. But for it's the record... Like we did with, like we did with Party, isn't it? We, yeah, exactly, re- yeah. AFC, yeah. AFC Bell died to no longer with us <laughs> yeah. said, it's happening think, it's happening yeah and i think lost. you can see yeah done. you can see the same with telemans that he clearly only wants one club because otherwise he would have moved we've obviously yeah. got that deal we've spoken to his representatives it's all sorted we're just a case of if you don't mind moving on deadline day because to put it It'll politely we're going to screw your club um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to get you for twelve million. We're not going to get you for twenty because they can't. They don't want to sell anybody else, and they know yeah. they've kind of got this money coming in. They've just got to wait to come down to our our price. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. this will be one of the deals that everyone will say. Oh well, we may have let Torreira go for t- 
seven million and Leno's gone for four plus many, many unlikely options. Um, <laughs> Double bonus. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, uh, I think it's going to be, actually, that's not a bad deal that we've got back in. Um, we're not yeah. overspending. And I don't think we've overspent on any player this summer. And this isn't an average player, by the way. Tino is a very mm-hmm. good player. You know, attitude has been questioned a bit at Leicester, but I think that's more because he wants to move on. He he held Monaco together, you know, on his own when they sold off Fabinho, etc. So, yeah, he's he's a very gifted, very gifted player. Um, I'll take the next two because they're just quick fire ones that are probably in my wheelhouse. So I'll get these done. So Noza uh, asks a non-related uh, Arsenal question: Would you like to see Ronaldo go to PSG? To see him play with Messi, absolutely not. No, I'd like Ronaldo to be shot to the moon, along with his six pack and his thighs and all his attitude and everything that goes with him. Fuck Ronaldo. Uh, so no, he can just go away. Um, well, he's, the king, and, though, he? he's the king. Oh yeah, the king. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 the <laughs> king. No, I, I, I could not give a toss about Ronaldo. I hope he stays at United because that will unsettle them all season and it'll be a mess. Um, and I'm quite excited to see Mbappe and, and Messi. And possibly Neymar have a, a lovely old season together. Um, Thunder Road asks my opinion on Sheikh de Coure, who's at RC Lens. Um, Is he not a Palace? Didn't he go to Palace? Uh, did he go to Palace? Was that, so. Yeah, was that? He was linked to Arsenal. Uh, not Arsenal, he was linked to Brighton. God, now I'm going to have to look this up. I, I laughed. I, or did, was he on loan at Palace then? Because he, he definitely they came from, not, from Well, He was at Lens, but they signed him. They signed I him this summer. Well, bugger me. Oh, Chris, okay. French football expert, Chris Carpenter. Well, I haven't been across the transfers. I must. I'm at, oh, I did see Aaron Ramsey going to Nice. That was lovely. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I didn't realise. So was that deal done this summer then? Yeah, it was done yeah. Um, pretty early on. It was just after Basuma went to Tottenham, which is how so the links was. to Brighton. Um, which would explain up. why they kept Fofana, because he... If you'd have said to me Fafana, sake of Fafana at, at Lons, absolutely bite your hand off. Um, but yeah, so that one did did go under the radar. Um, it's a very Patrick Vieira signing because he's a very Patrick Vieira type of player. Gangly, strong, um, good in the tackle, bit of aggression. He all I would say is he he's a I think he's a player that will suit a palace. I don't think he's a player that would would suit a top a top level side yet he's got potential but do you remember when um leicester signed um mendy midfielder namphalis mendy mm. and fulham signed god ble- god rest his soul jean-michel sarri who is still there um those sort of players you know whilst i wouldn't have minded them at arsenal they're probably not of the level that we sarri went to hull he did and he you went to galakatasaray yeah. and and then he, came, I think he's back in the in the Fulham. No, he's gone up. to Hull this. He's gone to Hull this. Oh, he summer. went to Hull this summer. Oh, yeah, of course, because yeah. Joel put it in the group, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he scored the other day, didn't he? I know more yeah. about French players than you at this rate. <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a pod tomorrow. I'm going to have to like swap up on who the hell's gone where. I'm completely off. Who is Mbappe? Where, where does he play? Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, he uh, plays in the dugout, isn't he? Their manager now. I believe general he is. owner is something like that. One thing I can still tell you is Julian Draxler is still at PSG. He's still there. So I'll take him. Still there. He's still there. Um as you piped up, Carl, you can have this one. Um what would be this is from Jimmy. What would be seen as a bad season? Oh god, we're going doom again. I would take fifth again with a good European run as the fans uh, fans we need to get behind. Uh, the process, do you agree? Yeah, what's your thoughts on that from Jimmy? I think a bad season, honestly, he's not getting Champions League. It has to be 
I think Champions League has to be the minimum goal. I think, um, and I, I want John to come in on this as well because I think last season John was saying, you know, we've gone well, fifth, eighth, eighth, now back to fifth, and I think the leap we missed out on Champions League by what two points, but we just had a really shit run of games where we lost three in a row and we we really could have got sold up Champions League easily. Um, so I think minimum we have to look for is fourth place. Would you agree, John? Um, yeah, I mean, that would be my minimum. I would only take fifth if it meant we were winning, you know, like Europa League or something like that. Like, if it got to the point where it's towards the end of the season and we're deep into Europa League, we got ourselves to the final and there's players with, you know, questionable injuries. Like, if we play them in this game, they're not going to be available for that one. And it's sort of that, that kind of thing. Then I'll be like... I'll, I'll, I'll sack the league place for the trophy because I'd rather have a medal uh, at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I, I think realistically with the squad the way it is now, we, we should be getting top four. Yep. No arguments here. Um, I'm breaking all the rules because this show is going a bit longer than we planned. But, you know, we've been away for a while, so we will we will do all these questions. But quick fire answers, please, gents. Uh, John, you can have actually... I'll save the next one for you. Oh, shall I? No, I'll give you this one, John, because you because you love him. Um, is Xhaka playing higher up, um, higher, sorry, on the edge of the box? Shows us what we can expect to see Vieira or another eight players from Grant. Um, and while you're at it, if you want to blow the Xhaka tr- trumpet, you can, because, you know, he seems to be quite happy at the moment. An interview came out with him today. He spoke very highly of the club and what we've done for him and vice versa, so... Um, would you know it? Granny Jack is quite good at football. It's probably yes. why he's the captain of his international team. And Can't believe that for a minute. Of, <laughs> captain of Gladbach. And last season was one of our best players all season long. But people only remember one little mistake. Um, yeah, no, what what he's doing at the moment in the team is if Fabio Vera, uh, Vieira develops into within the league, obviously it depends on his physicality and stuff he may end up just staying more wide but if he can handle the physicality of the Premier League I'd imagine you're going to see him doing that kind of thing because he's definitely got the ability to play it but that's what Xhaka did at Gladbach because he had a guy next to him at Gladbach all the time who would do a lot of the deep sitting and the running back and covering for him which allowed him to get forward and now you've seen him with Zinchenko as well a different type of fullback who makes who now gives Martinelli different options and he has a forward in front of him who moves in a different way to what we had before, you're going to see even better football from Granit Xhaka. Um, and you've already seen it in pre-season. And look at that, he's even got quick feet. Little little step-overs and everything. It's great. So no, I, I think this is probably going to be Xhaka's best season and some people are going to be eating humble pie and I'll be fucking loving it. <laughs> the, the one thing I would say is I'd rather have him right now than not have him in fairness. And uh, although I will never be fully sold, I don't think, um, he, 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 you know, fair play to the guy. You know, he has taken some warranty criticism, but he has taken it on the chin and, you know, fair play. He is still doing a good job. And whatever we think, manager clearly has a good relationship with him. It's his choice. So fair play. And if they have the shirt on, I will back them. Uh, Unless they come from Spurs and fuck them. Next question. Paul Nell. He's not had one for a while. Uh, Josh and fam, I'll pick on you for the next two. So, Josh, I'll give you this one first. Uh, based on current transfers, is there any reason not to expect top four with this squad? Expect. I like the confidence, Paul. Um, Chelsea Manu, very underwhelming. I 
I agree with this, Josh, but is there an air of caution that Man United and, and Chelsea might suddenly splurge all their money before the end of the window and become good again? Yeah, there's also the um, Spurs in the room as well. Oh, let's uh, not let's not go there. We've had a we've had a lovely well, chat. Let's not. I know. Yeah, apparently they're winning the league this year. Um, yeah, you know, Conte, Conte's done it before. He's turned out, He's beaten both these managers in this league. Um, mm. Great in the Champions League as well, isn't he? Oh, excellent. Right. Excellent in cup competitions. So it's guaranteed that trophy drought is ending next season. Mm. Um, I think in terms of the transfer window is still open. Chelsea have still got some stuff to do. The fact they managed to still scrape third without a recognised striker... Um, still kind of upsets me a little bit uh, and again Man United who knows what Ten Hag's going to get out of them they're, they're not going to have that kind of issue prior where the players didn't necessarily care I think they're starting to do the beginning of the kind of rebuild that we expect we started to see um, post Emery where we started getting all of the um, uh, the major players out of the club obviously Ronaldo's still going to be problem there but I remember what um, Ajax did with uh, Dusan Tadic hmm. and he didn't really run around a lot as a centre forward and was just there just to smash it in or create chances and yeah I think there's still something in there that makes me fear it's going to be a good old battle I'll put it that way for top four because I think there's, it's going to be yeah four teams into two slots hmm. uh, really fighting it out for the rest of the season I think that winter break will be a big, big telltale sign of who comes out of that best. Because I think mm-hmm. it could be a lot of the big teams that I know we've asked for nice runs. I think post um, it's pre and post, isn't it? That the top six aren't playing each other. Yeah. Um, before and after the World Cup, but I think it's those kind of banana skin games. That's where you know we've struggled before, and it will be where those teams struggle as well. Uh, especially mm. as one team will have lost their entire forward line to the World <laughs> Cup. Um, the one that did apparently has won the transfer window. Won't have any players. So, yeah. Um, yeah. We'll Can I just say quickly on that? Um, Man United don't have a midfield or a defence. Well, sorry, they, no. have one, they have one defender. They've got Varane, but he's never fit. Chelsea don't have a defence or a striker. And Tottenham have just signed Richarlison, who is bound to have an argument with Harry Kane he'll get confused by his dribbling and he'll probably punch him and knock him out. So I don't know what anyone's worrying about. It's going to be fine. It's basically Champions League assured, confirmed, locked in as the kids say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm quite looking forward to seeing Spurs spectacularly fall off uh, yet again because we all know it will happen. I mean, just every year they never learn, do they? They never learn. United and Chelsea, it concerns me a little bit just purely because Chelsea still have an awful lot of money, although... It seems that their actual owner doesn't really know who who's any good and just says to Tuchel, <laughs> is he any good? Should we get him? Should we go for him? Like the amount of defenders they've been linked with is just bizarre. Uh, United do worry me because simply because they can't be shit forever, surely. I'd love it if they were, but surely something has to click and Ten Hag is, is I just pretty feel good. like they're going to do something that's unexpected. Yeah. Like, something out of somewhere. I mean, you still talk They'll probably go and sign Ibrahimovic. The guys, doing, the guys <laughs> doing the transfers at Man United still don't know anything about football or how to build a fucking squad. Or they'll just bring they back... They might have yeah. a coach now who knows and understands what football is, but yeah. no one else at that club knows how to run a football team. No. They're awful no. at it. 
They got Sir Alex Ferguson back doing this. Well, yeah, that's know. true. Yeah, he was apparently <laughs> the one who. I think as soon as yeah, as soon as they saw they'd spent sixty million on a player that we were quoted twenty five for, uh, I think that's what started it. Yeah, bring him a, back. That's but... a lot, and he's he's a good player, but that's a he lot is. of money for a gamble. Like that's mm. that's yeah, that is that has a, a whiff of Fred all over it once again. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I like you, Carl. I, I just fear, I hope they don't get Frankie Dion because that sort of signing will transform that whole midfield and I don't want that to happen. Cause I like there's, a, uh, there's a last minute, is that the reason why we're not going straight in for Tielemans question? Oh, don't, don't, because that would tip There we go. Oh, yeah. Splendid business. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Frankie in our midfield would, would be erection section. Anyway, let's move on. Um, Fem, Jimmy wants to know who will be signing hang on who will be the signing of this window if I can learn to speak at the end of the season will we look back and think the player we brought in this window made the biggest impact I guess there's an obvious answer to that here. yeah yeah I think we, we kind of touched on that earlier um, let me be a little bit different and say Zinchenko looks yeah, to have made good. a massive difference down the left as well and not just in that sort of left back position but in the fact that he drops into midfield quite a lot of times, if you watch the way that we play, mm. and with Xhaka being there, it, it kind of just works, doesn't it? With Xhaka, he, like some of the question that John was asked about Xhaka pushing a bit more forward, because Zinchenko seems to push into that space where he's massively comfortable. You know, as soon as he gets a ball in that space, you can see his quality straight away. And I, I think we, we've underrated this signing quite a lot. I think he, he changes the dynamic of our play quite a lot as well. So yeah. just to be a little bit different, because we did speak about um, Gabriel um, Jesus. I mean, obviously, clearly, he's massively going to change change the he's way we play. But yeah, yeah. Zinchenko is a, a nice little signing, I think. I think he's, mm. he's yeah, he, he changes the dynamics of, of that left-hand side quite a lot, which was a weak area for us last season, if we're being quite honest. Teams sort of cottoned on to our right side by the end of the season. And, you know, Saka mm. looked absolutely dead on his feet, you know, Newcastle game and towards the end. So it, it will give us a little nice little dynamic on that side. Yeah multiple position to player and we had another question actually which I'll go to next in a second from Thunder Road about Sinchenko but um, I, I, I can't find it and it's really bugging me because uh, I'm going full me, me and Josh are going full hipster on this one but um, Josh I'm sure you've done this before where back in the hipsters days we tweet out about players to look out for and you know who might be good and I remember tweeting about Sinchenko when he's at Shakhtar and saying like this kid's going to be really decent, and it it must have been five years ago, six years ago, and I can't that Twitter just doesn't seem to go back that far. I can't find my tweet, and I'm devastated because the clout I would have got from that, I mean, I'd have got at least like four retweets. I'd have been like, I'd have been mates, you know. <laughs> two two of those would have been from the podcast account over different days, but that's fine, you know. I can't find it anywhere. I mean. You probably spelled his name wrong. That's, that's probably that what is, it is. Yeah, You're looking yeah, for every is. combination of Zin. Uh, yeah, and I've changed the handle as well. So it's, yeah. Yeah. You'll never find it. Um, I did also but... say that um, Lamar was close. Let's not forget that. Um, oh, yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I also um, I also famously said that, um, what's the Dortmund winger who went to West Ham and it never worked out? 
uh, what's his John name? John Yeah, I said he'd be a he'd be a brilliant signing as well, and that didn't really work out too well. So, you know, we we get things wrong. It's fine. Um, do you, John, do you want to just comment on Thunder Road's point about Zinchenko? So any concern that as a, a makeshift left back you cannot defend well? I think that's harsh, if I'm honest. But we yeah. won't have much possession of City, and then uh, so you'll have to defend more with Arsenal. <laughs> Is that, is a bit harsh? I think he's a better defender than maybe he's given. Um, yeah, I think he's a much better left back than people realise. Um, the fact that he plays centre mid for Ukraine and he has done it for City. What I would say is, if you go back and you look at all the time he was at City, and the same applies to Jesus. I think people are sold on him now, anyway. But when they weren't before, if you look at City's biggest games. There were certain players Pep always picked because he trusted them. And Zinchenko and Jesus were on those lists. And it didn't matter where he played them. He trusted them enough to put them wherever he wanted on the pitch and they would do what he asked. And he is that sort of player. I think he's got exactly the right mentality. He's a national team captain as well. Um, And I just think that left-hand side now is so much stronger. Obviously, when Tierney's there, it's great. And he was... When he was playing last season, he was superb defensively. I think going forward, he lost a little bit because he, he is a little bit one-dimensional, which obviously Sinchenko will change. Um, we're never No, we're not going to have the same possession as Man City. But I would say majority of our games in the Premier League, we probably will. It's only really going to be those sort of big, big level games where we're not going to be dominating the play a lot. I think you're going to see us... In the games that last season maybe we struggled a bit with, just because we've got more depth now and can rotate better, that we'll probably be in possession quite a lot, 60-70% for a lot of games this season. So I don't think he'll be defending as much. And the way they tuck in, and you know, I, I'm not worried about him at all. I, I Like Femi, I think, he's a re- I think he's probably the most underrated signing of like mm-hmm. any team in the Premier League this season. Getting a player that good with that much experience who played that many big, important games for a team that are serial winners mm. uh, from Man City is a huge signing for the price we've got them for. Yeah. And we've uh, also got mobile centre-backs. That's the thing that... Yeah. just going to say that. Behind him. Yeah. 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 You've got Gabriel behind sweeping and Saliba, who yeah. I think Chris yeah, say he doesn't necessarily play... play yeah. The, the, the defence is that that is like Femi said earlier and Carl have been saying as well the, the defence this season is so strong uh, and, and Ben Ben White's very mobile yeah. isn't he as well like yeah. when he was at Brighton Josh he played across the back line didn't he and, and that's where he got that defensive midfield option that he could cover mm. multiple positions and I think what you were going to say there as well Josh about Saliba he I mean, he eats ground. He's an athlete. Mm. He Anyone who saw that tackle on Mbappe that went viral last season amongst every Arsenal fan ever, um, his recovery pace is brilliant. I think he showed it against Chelsea. Was it against Timo Werner where he got back? And Werner's face was like, where did you come from? And how big are you? Um, he, he's, he's got brilliant recovery pace. And, and because he's so tall and sort of... He, he reminds me a lot of, of how Vieira used to come back in from midfield. You know when Vieira used to track runners back? Obviously, Saliba is already in that defence, but if Saliba sort of tucks across and a full-back bombs on, he's got that stride that, that Vieira had, or or even like a Yaya Toure. He's that kind of athlete, whereas Gabriel seems to move like very, very long distances very quickly, and White, is his balance is very good. So uh, it's a really good combination, and it allows those full-backs to... Basically, you can just say to them, off you go, chaps, which is... Um, if only Hector was was the Hector we first had, he'd have been perfect on that other side. But 
alas, injuries and, you know, such is life. Um, three to go. I think the one we just got on the screen we've done, actually. Uh, we have from Jimmy. So we'll move on to Paul's next one. Uh, nice quick one, this one. Fem, you can have this one. Um, Paul asks, who plays more, ESR or Fabio Vieira? And I'm going to tack on to the end of this question. Uh, controversial opinion once again coming up here. Any concerns about the, the Jack Wilshireism of VSR at the moment? Because I'm just getting a little bit nervy with these little niggles. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it has come out tonight that he's got a groin injury, so he will be missing the, the start of the mm. season. Um, I think, you know what? Funny enough, I had to think about this over the summer when I was thinking about his injuries. I, I don't know if you guys remembered when Stevie G first came into the Liverpool team. Yeah. And he used to get a lot of injuries and a lot of niggles. Mm. And he sort of grew into his body and it settled down after that because then he was, you know, the machine that, you know, Gerard the machine playing every every game nearly. So I, I think we might be in that position with Smith Rowe where he, he might be one that he's getting a lot of soft tissue injuries rather than impact injuries like Jack had. So mm. this might be sort of the growing pains type things. Um, where he hasn't had, you know, he hasn't had like a leg break like Ramsey had, which caused a lot more injury. So, you know, fingers crossed. But I, I think he'll play. I think he'll play this season. I think will be he'll be all right. He just needs to get himself fit and stay fit. And I think this is going to sound controversial as well. But I think that the only upside of not being in the Champions League is <laughs> we do still get get a chance to bed in players, if that makes sense. Because if you're in the Champions League, it's first team week in, week out until November. It's pretty much every midweek and weekend. You yeah. are not you're not going to be resting players in the Champions League. And I, I don't think Arteta will rest players in the Europa League. I think people have got that wrong as well. I think until we qualify, he's going to play a stronger team as possible. And we've seen the way he treats cup, cup competitions. He plays yeah. a stronger team as possible. A uh, few tweaks here and there, but I'm not worried about ESR personally. I think he just has to grow into his body, and hopefully, if he doesn't, we still got value on him, don't we? He's mm. still an English player with a lot of value, a lot of years on his contract, so should and, be all and right that, with him. That Europa is unfinished business, isn't it? It feels like we're due. It feels like we're due. Yeah, right? I was trying to see who the hardest. I hope Roma are not in it because I don't. I've got I a sneak think, feeling. No, because they. They won it, didn't they? So they go into the Champions League. No, oh, they they won the. Oh, yeah. they won the Europa Europa League, didn't they? Yes, they won uh, the, the Europa Conference. Conference one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're the team that I'm worried about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So well, I guess we'll we'll I find guess out. We'll the... until the latter stages, will we? Because yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think the group stages. Um, I think it's one. We get we play the group stage every single week, don't we? Six consecutive. Yeah, weeks. six weeks straight. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course we do. Will, I think that will determine a bit of rotation in the squad because to play, I mean, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, every single week, I think yeah. surely there's going to be maybe probably a bit more rotation than we think is going to happen. I mean, again, That's it all true. depends on who leaves and whether Pepe's still there or Beast Nelson's still there. I think these are the times where you can get games. And with no disrespect to any team playing in the um, Europa League, if we're going away to some, I say this, unknown uh, Swedish team or something like that. Surely you don't bring sort of Gabriel Jesus with you or people yeah. like that. Surely you you know you rest him and then 
because, like you said, uh, there's no such thing as easy games in the Premier League. So you do play an Indian Ketia in that league, or you do play a Sambi Lukonga, people who are probably bound not to get many league games, but your yeah. league will eat that up. Yeah, that, yeah. that is, that that's, is that's a good true. point. And I've got a, just a, a brief list of the big guns. So these are the, the teams that are already in pots before. So obviously you've got to go through all the pre-qualifying and there's there's literally God knows who in the pre-qualifying round. But already technically qualified are Roma, Man United, Arsenal, Lazio, Braga, Feyenoord, Rennes, Real Sociedad, Real Betis, Union Berlin, FC Freiburg and Nantes. So realistically of that list, you you probably only say, I mean, personally, I'd only say Man United and Roma would be the two. I mean, Lazio, I know are a formidable historic team, but I, I would back us over two legs. Roma, Mourinho speaks for itself and then United just because it's another English team. I, I would be very disappointed if we couldn't get past the Braga, a final order Ren. You know, even a Sociedad a Betis. I, I think I think we've got enough to get through those. It's it's all about who drops out of that Champions League, isn't it? That's the worry. If you get a Barcelona again or someone like that, you know, who drops out, that's the concern. But yeah, we'll see who who comes out of uh, d- darkest, deepest Peru and qualifies first before we go down that route. Um, two more to go then. Uh, Carl, I'll give you this one. Um, uh, Sai asks I hope that's how you pronounce it Sai apologies if not um, let me go against the general vibe who will be the first player from the ones we like I like that to be sold this is actually a really good question because a few people have said all summer they wouldn't be surprised if a big name went um, I have my theories on this but any concerns Carl? wouldn't surprise me if someone like a maybe Rob Holden because we do have a lot of defenders in the squad. Is he a big name, um, though? Would that not be an obvious choice for the English market? He's got big I'm hair thinking, now. Yes. I'm thinking more, <laughs> I'm thinking more like first-team starter big name. Um, so, of that, I know people seem to think that this type of thing is wrapped up, but it still worries me because, as I said in the last pod with Danny, there is a sack-shaped hole at Manchester City now that um, Sterling's <laughs> gone to Chelsea. And I, I know people say, oh, he loves the club, he's not going to leave and what, not, what have you. And I understand that, I really do. But I honestly am a little bit worried about Saka not signing that. As soon as he signs the contract, I'm happy. But the longer he doesn't sign the contract is, the long, is how long can we keep on to him to the fact that we don't want to lose him for free and do we have to take a cut price 50 million for him um, next season and that's for me is a massive worry hmm. okay yeah just just for out of interest the one that worries me is Gabriel I, I just have a I feel like he's really growing into this this club and he's becoming a bit of a leader and, and I just feel like uh, John you might think this as well, like a Juventus or a, you know, a side of that ilk, even an Inter. I know they're looking at um, they're, they're looking at defenders, aren't they? At the moment, Scrinia might be going, and there's all sorts of movement there. But maybe not this summer. But I just wonder if Gabriel has another good season. I suppose the argument is, well, if Saliba stays, then you can sort of hemorrhage that. Yeah. But I just sort of feel like he's <clears throat> one who would who would potentially get big money for if if he was to be sold. Um, I, I- but I mean, personally, for me, I think it's an easy—it's either Tierney or Smith Rowe. 
T- yeah, Tierney's the logical one, but do you get big money for him? I don't know. It's if, he goes to Premier League, if he goes to a Premier League club, yeah. Mm. Yeah, true. Really, yeah. Like, yeah. Like I think he's a Newcastle, Madrid links, you know, there's there's plenty. Yeah. Um, he's, he's good enough and he's a good enough pro that he could go and play abroad as well, and I don't think he'd have a problem going to do that. Um, of all of our starting 11, yeah, of all of our starting 11, he's the player I think we'd be most happy with letting go to another English club, which yeah. is fundamentally where yeah. the money is. Yeah. The money isn't really around the rest of uh, rest of Europe, unless, of course, you know, Barcelona sell more of their assets and come in with 170 <laughs> million. <laughs> Barcelona are literally like selling seats at this point, aren't they? I mean, uh, you know, they've. they've they very cleverly got around seats, it but they are the selling the seats for yeah they'll they'll sell season well, tickets exactly for married, yeah, yeah you, a ten you're going to watch Frankie De Jong play and then he'll be outside after the game like begging in the selling streets selling merch please anyone onto my Spotify playlist where we play the Barcelona theme tune on repeat for seven hours or yeah yeah no, nobody seems to have brought up the Spotify bloke since he's uh, bought into Barca it's funny that uh, funny that's gone quiet isn't it um, Josh I'll give you the last one actually uh, on the scale of one to ten this is from Jimmy um, what would you rate this window so far for the biggest amounts as Leno uh, looks the biggest at eight million although as we've discovered discovered it's basically 17 quid plus a load of add-ons <laughs> um, the, the more interesting part of this question no offense Jimmy but I want to focus on the Pepe thing um you you guys know how I feel like I'd like to see him given a chance even if it's in the Europa you know I I, I still think there's a player there but it's whether Arteta trusts him he did come out on his Instagram and you know it was very much one of those like well nobody really wants me so I'm gonna commit to the club type of tweets but he does look like a player who to me has his head screwed on right um I don't know what what's your thoughts on that window like does it require someone like that to be gone for you to give it a nine or 10 out of 10 or are you happy with what we've done? Yeah. I mean, right now it is about a seven or eight. Uh, I think the fact that we can talk through the squad and say, there isn't really a position that we're too worried about that needs definite strengthening right now. Mm. is kind of testament to how well the incomings are going. I think the big thing is about those outgoings for me, Nicholas Pepe, it's not, um, it's not one I'd try and push again as, you know, we've got a player who is still kind of a project. Uh, we've just signed Marquinhos. Uh, there's our project winger for Mikel to get his uh, teeth into. That's a really <laughs> coach through. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those yeah. we bought in. Uh, yeah, we brought in a winger that is that kind of project player. Uh, if Reese Nelson's sticking around as well, there's two raw project players kind of out there Charlie for the wings. Bettino I don't think well. we need... Maybe yeah. ish wide player. Ish, I think. Yeah. But there's definitely those. We want to also maintain that there's a pathway. We've got to remember, yeah. we lost uh, Chelsea. Have been trying to hoover up everyone for their under twenty threes as well <laughs> to loan them all so, off. Yeah, exactly. So there's still that option. You need to make sure there's still a pathway there. And I think holding on to a player and going, well, we're still going to give you chances even till you're twenty eight, twenty nine. Uh, is the reason why we lost Serge Nabry is because we did that with uh, Theo Walcott as we continue yeah. to push that when that boat probably sailed. I think for Pepe, it is a case of he's probably the one that gets us the most money. I don't think I don't think it necessarily has to be a loan deal. I think it may end up being a sale, but we contribute to wages. But 
name me a club that doesn't sell a big name player to a smaller side and doesn't contribute wages at that point. I think I remember at one point when Adebayor left Spurs, he was being paid wages by two previous employers at the same time yeah. uh, to subsidise his wages. So it's not unusual that that would happen. I think he is the most sellable asset. Um, I wouldn't be surprised about Reese Nelson either. You know, He's only got one year left on his deal. But again, he had a really good run in the Europa League, played in the final. Um, unfortunately, didn't necessarily win with Feyenoord. Uh, against Frankfurt, but English player to an English club, promoted side, that kind it, of ilk. It's, it's a 10, got, 12 million. It's got 20 million from Bournemouth written all over, hasn't it? Oh, like, it could be. They love a Jordan Ibe style uh, yeah. spurging of money. Uh, yeah. there, there's someone that will come out and pay big money for him that we wouldn't necessarily have seen uh, yeah. ourselves. But he has got that pedigree. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, th- I feel like with Pepe, he's going to be another Tielemans. Last day of the window, somebody comes in and says, mm. I think he'd be a really good fit for Leeds with Rafinha gone. But I don't know if he sees himself as that level yet, if you know what I mean. Like he's falling mm. down the... I think he'd rather I'd go s- back to France or Italy. I'd say or- anyone that's looking at Corne at the moment, if they miss out on him from Burnley, it'll be, mm. OK, who's our next step down? And Pepe's probably on that list. So I look forward to seeing him at Everton then. Basically, it's always <laughs> yeah, yeah. This where, where Alex Awobi and Co go to die. Yeah, God bless them. But yeah, I, I just wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset if Pepe stuck around and proved a few people wrong. I don't think he's going to be a starter, and it's whether he's happy with that or, and it's whether Arteta wants to give him legs or not. But yeah, I wouldn't be massively shocked. He's the sort of player as well. I wouldn't be ma- hugely surprised if he ended up at actually a really big club, just out of the blue, like just you know, like when Aubameyang went to Barcelona and we were like, hang on, what have you seen in the last four months? I wouldn't be surprised if someone took a gamble on Pepe and he went to a, you know, an AC Milan or somewhere like that and actually did all right. But we shall see. Um, Right. We are pushing two hours now. So um, we've given you way longer than we should have, dear listener. So we are going to start to uh, draw things up. Um, Moving forwards this season, the podcasts are going to be a little bit more disciplined because me being back to hosting duties means I get to talk far less. I'm sure you'd be delighted to hear that. So um, we are going to start going back to the sort of more hour hour and 15 max kind of podcast so hopefully uh, you'll be okay with that dear listeners but um, it would be remiss of us to not leave you or to leave you tonight sorry having not previewed or at least given our thoughts on palace on friday um i'm gonna give us or give you my thoughts very quickly i've made a bit of an error um so some of you might know it's summer in the uk it's been quite hot and it's supposed to be a really nice day on friday so i've booked a boat cruise to go and watch dolphins in 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 the marina of plymouth so i'm actually not going to see the game so um uh, yeah i didn't think about it when i booked it the other day but i'm gonna have a lovely time and uh, hopefully i'll see lots of lovely dolphins and at least i won't be a jinx so you know, I will be listening. I just won't get to see it till I get home. So hopefully it works out well. So I've outed myself as a fraud. Um, let's go reverse order upwards then. Uh, Josh, start us off. What's your thoughts? Um, we don't need to go through team news or anything. It's too early for that. But do you expect us to bury the ghosts of Brentford this season? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think obviously on Thursday we'll find out exactly what happened in the run-up to Brentford. Or at least I expect us to see how underprepared we were for that game for a multitude of reasons but yeah it looks like we we don't have those issues uh going into the palace game i'm expecting us to show a lot 
um, more of a mature, um, yeah, mature response to uh, how we've taken pre-season. Obviously, we've looked formidable in there. Uh, I'd like to think that, I don't know, looking at Palace's pre-season, it's been very interesting. They've had a very broken up pre-season. Uh, obviously, got smashed by Liverpool, but then they beat United, I think. Or it was vice versa. They did one of those two things. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely an opportunity for us. We know what Selhurst Park's going to be like. It might be difficult, and I realise I'm taking everybody's points on Palace um, <laughs> as we go through this. And no one will have anything to preview. So I'll just stop and say 2-0 to the Arsenal. Lovely. Okay. Uh, fam, thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go 2-1, I think. For me, the main thing is we're not... Going into the last last season, the preseason was a shambles. The team wasn't settled. We knew loads of players wanted to leave and we knew we needed to sign loads of players. That's not the case this season. We can pretty much predict the starting eleven. And it's a starting eleven that is settled and we feel will be there most of the season. So that's what gives me more hope and confidence. And we owe them one because they derailed our season last year. As long as we get the middle of the park right, I think we'll be all right. Because they, they will come out to pressure our number six <laughs> hard, like they did in that game last season. If we can withstand that pressure, I think we'll be fine. I, I, I think 2-1. Interesting. Okay, two wins out of two. Uh, John, you're not going to let us down on the optimism stake, surely? Oh, this is a piece of piss. It's 4-1. Jesus gets a brace. Saka scores. Palace obviously get a goal from a penalty. Is a little bit of a mix-up with, you know, there's still some new players in the team and some adjusting on position. Zaha falls over, yeah. Yeah, basically. I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be nice. So I've got some Palace fans. <laughs> But yeah, comfortable 4-1. Nobody worry about the season. We're getting third place. We'll win the Europa League. So good. Happy days. That's uh, uh, at jwelsh84 if you want to uh, throw various objects at John when we inevitably finish seventh and go out of every competition in the first stage. Uh, I joke, of course. Um, Carl, are you, are you going or are you... I am. I'm going. going. My, cool. my Palace supporting friend gets me tickets to the Palace game. So... I am going to Palace and I'm sitting in the Palace end like I did last time with a 3 0 win. And it was horrible oh, because I had to stand up and act like I uh, supported the Palace. And every time I kept shouting at the Arsenal fans, people kept looking around me. Uh, Arsenal players, you, people kept looking around me thinking, are you in the right end? And after are, you while, anywhere, the guys, are you anywhere near the guy with the drum? Because that must be quite annoying. If no, that's he sits in the, the home stand, the north. But yeah, so I'm going on Friday, which is going to be interesting. I think as long as we keep Zaha and Eze um, quiet, and I think Eze, just want to touch on him, he's going to be some player soon, I'm telling you now. He's too good for Crystal Palace soon, and he's going to end up at a top six club because he's very, very good. Um, I think as long as we keep those two quiet, I think we should be okay. I think Ben White's going to have a... I think he's going to have a very hard evening because Zaha, he's literally just going to run at him. He, that's all he's going to do is run at him. But I'm optimistic and I think that we can... Crystal Palace is one of those grounds where you're so close to the pitch and it's small and the fans do not stop making noise. I think the atmosphere at Crystal Palace is absolutely brilliant. I really, really do. Um, but I think we're just going to have a lot more for them. And I think like all of it, you know, I said, our team is going to be very settled. 
and it's not going to be a mess. And like you said, we owe them a little bit because they derailed our season. I think that's going to be Mikel's team talk, one hundred percent. So I'm going for I'm going for three one. Interesting. Palace won't have the ball, so Zaha ain't doing any running except to run over to the ref and moan about some tackle that was perfectly fine. He doesn't scare me anymore. It's Eze and Elise. Elise, Elise. He's out. He's been confirmed as he's injured. He's not playing. But for me, I think somebody said it. I think it was on Arsenal Vision they were talking about this. I think Clive was making this point. Um beyond the midfield I, I don't think Palace are brilliant defensively it, it's that key is if we can press them and we can get through that midfield I think you know we, we, we will make chances we made chances last year it's just that Laka was having a period of time where he, he couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo and, and we looked completely listless in the wide areas if we get in behind them I, I think we'll have some joy and I, I kind of fancy us to outscore them I personally I thought I, I'm kind of in John's camp maybe not 4-1 but I, I wouldn't mind a 3-1 I, I feel like we I feel like first goal is going to be key as well because you know that that Messis, Neville, and Carragher are going to be literally jacking themselves blind if Palace score first and the crowds are and the lights are on. I think we remember as well as Benteke is going to get his customary goal against. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and they'll be the air. I really, really, really hope that we just shut the noise up on that first day because they are going there with the cameras, like Carl said, expecting. Mm. A, capitu- a capitulation from Arsenal so that they can get stuck into us like they did against um, uh, Brentford last year, which, yeah, yeah. with jumping in the... What was jumping in the crowd, singing the oh, songs? Yeah, yeah. Song, yeah, singing songs. Those Palace players right now are shitting themselves. <laughs> they're agree. in training. They're going, Zaha, why can't you be more like Saka? They're going, yeah. fuck's sake, now they've got Gabriel Jesus, Martinelli's better, Erdegaard's on fire. They've got this other bloke from Man City whose name we can't spell. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> They're fucking shitting themselves. And, of course, the world's greatest defender in Saliba, who we all know is fact now. So, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I, I, Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see Palace do well because we love Pat Vieira. Of course oh, we do. Oh, Absolutely. But naturally, we'd only like to see them do well uh, for 36 games, not 38. So, yeah, <laughs> hopefully we, uh, we we start strong. And, 34 and we games. Them. 34. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, because they can't play each other. <laughs> what an idiot. Oh, dear. Oh, I knew there was a reason I was a host. Anyway, um, yeah, let's I think we could all collectively say uh, let's hope for a positive result. Um, we will, of course, be back to break it down or discuss it at some point next week. We are planning to um, we're planning to, to make the, the podcast a bit more sort of structured in terms of the days this year. But, of course, we do have the bloody Europa League. Uh, Danny has very kindly put it on the screen now, so I'll read that for the benefit of those on audio. Upcoming shows, we've got Wednesday at 7.30 is the Predictions Part 2. So that's tomorrow, as this stands. Um, and then part I won't be hosting that one, by the way. I can't do back-to-back days. It's too much on the odd vocal cords. Friday at 6.30 is the preview show. We will still be doing previews. And Friday at 10 p.m. ish, ABW Live, um, which is purely dedicated to the all or nothing shows. Um, so there's plenty to, to get your teeth into this week. You literally don't need to leave the house. We've got you covered. And then we'll be back uh, with the regular podcast, quote unquote, um, throughout the season, of course. We will probably still look to do some specials and some live shows. And, you know, if there's a really big game, like if we stuff Tottenham 8 0 or something, we'll probably do a 
you know an immediate live show but we're trying to move away a little bit from the the collective if you will everyone and their uncle stole our idea because let's face it we started it on this show doing a post-game show um we're all a little bit old now and after a game we need a little lie down and you know we need to think about things and i need to go and watch french games so we're gonna say we will still do some live shows straight after games here and there but they might not be as regular this year so we'll, we'll still have plenty for you dear listener don't worry we will look after you and in a controversial decision that i've just come up with today we're also retiring shout outs I know, I know, I know. It's been a lovely run, but what happens basically is I get to this part of the show and then I ask everyone who they want to shout out and then everyone feverish, feverishly opens their phone or Twitter and goes, Christ, who haven't I said hello to you for six months? Um, and it takes forever. So we're just going to end shout outs. But if anyone has got anything that they want to raise, now is the time to mention it. Splendid business. I, I just want to say, Spl- you know, we just have a good season. No matter. We're going to lose games uh, this season. It's going to happen. This is not not lose our shit if we lose yes. two games in a row, three games in a row. Yes, I'm probably going to do the same thing. And everyone knows in the ABW group, um, we're out there when we watch games and everyone has their moments where everything's shit and this is rubbish. And then there's always like John who come in with a voice of reason, just say, what are you talking about? It's fine. We're going to win the next game. And then... <laughs> Somehow we end up doing it in the next game, and then I feel stupid, and you know, so it's fine. So, yeah, we're going to lose games this season, and everyone's going to lose their shit because we're going to lose a team where we should be winning. But you know what? You can be angry, you can get mad, of course, you can. You see, you're right, but just be respectful to other people. Like, even if you don't agree with someone, like, there's going to be things that Chris is going to put in the group, and I'm going to look at my phone and message Danny privately and say, have you done a drug test for Chris? Because he's on crack. Get this guy. Right. So, <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to do it. But you know what? Like, this is why we love football. Because if we didn't, if every single um, week the games were winning, we, would, we wouldn't enjoy it because we wouldn't, it would just be boring. So it's good to have some bad weeks and some good weeks. So, yeah, let's just enjoy it. Let's just enjoy this season because it looks like it's going to be a good one insert that if we had a good editor i mean we've got danny so you can't have it all if we had a good editor somebody would insert that clip now of rio ferdinand going just enjoy it man like that would be perfect like no not that danny no one cares about burnt leno he plays for fulham now when no one cares or him <laughs> look at that if you are if you were getting just the audio you're missing out trust me look at that brilliant um but yeah i i i I think everyone on this this show, including me, will second that, Carl. Um, let's let's stay together. We are gonna we're, we're gonna disagree, you know. Um, I'm gonna dust off my Twitter because it, it's been in the back of the the cupboard for all summer. I've I've only posted like sweaty pictures of myself, which nobody really wants to see. So I'm gonna dust my Twitter off and and probably annoy some people. Oh, get on with it, Jesus Christ! Well, you know, we've we got to, haven't we? we, we we've got to play the Twitter game. So, uh, but yeah, we'll 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 stick together. Um, we'll be here through through thick and thin, and we'll. I was told and this would be an hour and a half. Well, it was, but you know, we lot talk and stuff. Right, uh, we are out of here. Thank you very very much for sticking with us. Um, and I will just say one tiny thank you to Danny. <laughs> just to danny because he does put up with us you know and and he, he's a miserable fucker but he does put up with us and we do appreciate you danny so if you're listening there he is look what an ugly bastard right that is it uh carl thank you very much at that london guy on twitter if you want to follow carl thank you carl pleasure as always 
the epitome of optimism, Mr. John Welsh. Uh, uh, yeah, if you quote the quote the handle at J Welsh under uh, sorry at J Welsh eighty four, you get all your love, honey, at fifty percent off if you use that code. So uh, enjoy that. Thank you, John. Apologies for the porn bots in the chat. They follow me everywhere. <laughs> I think it's Danny, to be honest, but still. Uh, Fem, at Femster82, thank you very much for your time, Femi. Thank you, everyone. Chat's been brilliant tonight. I've been laughing along with the chat, so thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Very active. Love it. Love it. And the hipster's favourite in his wonderful shirt, Josh. Thank you very much for joining us. I would give your your uh, Twitter um, handle, but Danny's moved the screen out. There you go. At Josh the Human twenty three. I couldn't remember the numbers. Sorry. Thank you, Josh, for joining us as always. Yeah, uh, it's been great, and hopefully our shows will be on time. Um, obviously, that's Carl's fault that we're delayed. Absolutely. Although we did start on time tonight, so that'll be the one and only time this season, I'm sure. Uh, right. Um, we will see you again next week. Uh, we'll see you obviously tomorrow as well and Friday. Look out for all the regular shows. Click the bell, do the swipey thing, tell your friends and all that shit. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We love you all very much. This has been a Birdcat Wonderland and Arsenal podcast. I have been Chris. Good night, all. See you at Palace. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>